Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Geek Vibes Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> this is Carl Baskin. No, I'm just kidding. This is Dane Alves with another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, the show with the most, where we go over the latest and greatest in professional wrestling and news and provide you with reviews over said shows from the last, you know, week or so. You know, we didn't do it last weekend. We, we apologize. Stuff happens. But we are back with a jam-packed show for you guys today. And, uh, you know, there was <laughs> only an AEW Revolution pay-per-view last weekend. There was only like a purchase of a wrestling company by the same person that owns that said AEW company. You know, all the stuff leading up to WrestleMania. WrestleMania, like Castlevania. Anyways, WrestleMania. Um, I couldn't do the show by myself. I've already fucking tripped twice, so save me while I fall. Christopher, brother Ray Patton, how you doing, sir? I'm never going to financially recover from this. Um, <laughs> I'm doing great, buddy. How about you? How, how's your week been? It's been good, and I'm assuming you're talking about the GCW show that we're going to tonight. Uh, probably. I don't know. Are we going to a titty bar afterwards or something? I, I need to prep my wallet, if so. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think we're going to a titty bar afterwards. How about Claremont? So we never, ever want to go to a strip club ever again. <laughs> I like I like Tattletales because it's like low-key, the shady strip club like at this point claremont's like a national monument in georgia where like tattletales is just actually that <laughs> like what you expect claremont to be if you decide to come to georgia and you are a strip club connoisseur if you want to completely destroy that love uh not that i had really love for strip clubs but just go to uh, cheetah and then right afterwards go to uh claremont lounge uh what that will do to you uh just i don't know it's it's amazing um yeah it's it's a uh, it, it'll be a weird trip. Also, yeah, tattletales. Go there, listen to some Motley Crue. It's all good. Girls, girls, girls. Am I right? Or um, maybe pour some sugar on me. Anyways, uh, <laughs> big show today, Chris. We got a lot to talk about. A lot of news within wrestling. Um, I guess we'll, we'll save the review for after the news items. But we missed some some big stuff. I would say. Uh, you know, with us missing the week b- before that. So the two biggest things were on everyone's mind, um, I would think, would be this new ac- acquisition of Ring of Honor that last week, in a very calm, uh, very endearing, you know, wonderful speech given by Tony Khan, almost one of the best promos I've ever heard in my life. Uh, he came out to the ring and talked about his purchase of Ring of Honor. I'm just kidding. What happened was he did meth right before he came out and just regurgitated all this information. I'm just kidding about what I'm saying, but I love what happened. This is the second time Tony's been on television, and he did this at both live events that I went to so far where he comes out afterwards. I don't think the man – and it's crazy because if you hear him in an interview with like someone like Busted <laughs> Open or Wrestling Observer, he's very good about talking. But you get in front of an audience, and he can't control the volume of his fucking voice. 
at all. He is twitching. He is like, like, whoa, whoa, calm down. Do you remember how we used to give Jeff Hardy crap back in the day, Chris? Because he would be like a promo. He'd be like, I love this place, and I'm just going to go kill Like, you'd be like, whoa, Jeff, calm the fuck down, man, all right? Same thing, Amplified times six with no charisma being able to speak to people. I don't know what's going on with Tony. But other than that, he purchased Ring of Honor. He gets the tape library. Everyone's wondering what he's going to do with the, the show, which apparently he keeps on. He plans to keep on going with it, is what he's saying right now. I don't know what the hell that means, but I'm excited. But I'm also wondering, like many, what is going to happen with all of this. Uh, Chris, um, how did you feel about Tony's presentation um, and telling us that he purchased Ring of Honor, you know, there's no Shane McMahon there, but, but a screaming fucking like, where, why couldn't William Regal have been like brought out to talk about this? Like, <laughs> that's his introduction. <laughs> Get, let him have the fucking floor. Uh, anyways, but uh, and also just the fact that he has Ring of Honor, the tape library. He's going to do something with the shows. You know, there's all the rumors that this could be his own streaming service. He could be working with HBO Max for wrestling on their product. You know, so that would mean the pay-per-views, all the past shows, all the Ring of Honor stuff, all in one package. Could he be trying to do the show as a streaming show itself, like NXT used to be? You know, or could this be another circuit of shows outside of AEW? Lots of questions I'm throwing at you, but I don't care because... You'll remember whatever you remember and give me the best answer you possibly can. And that's, that's what I love about you. Yeah. We'll talk about uh, Tony. I'll talk about Tony Khan's presentation or being on the show first, I guess. Uh, this is a man that's trying to live that Vince McMahon lifestyle <laughs> where you don't go to bed till three, then you wake up at like six and then you ride a wrestling show and then you don't go to bed to three. It seems like he's just drinking a, either doing Coke or just drinking mass amounts of Red Bull. Like the Red Bull budget must be over 9,000 for this poor guy. <laughs> it's gotta be a lot. He's stacking cans over there, but um, it's exciting, man. It's cool to see that, you know, ring of honor got bought. Um, I wonder how Vince feels about this because triple H tried to buy it in what 2017. We talked about that on the show. Uh, got shut down because Vince was also trying to buy new Japan at the time. If you remember, those talks and uh now tony khan just built himself a very big video library that gets into the streaming stuff that you were talking about and and that's brought up before with AEW. it's like when when are they going to do their own streaming thing because pretty much every wrestling company has that now um but AEW just didn't have a huge back catalog well they just bought 20 years worth of really good shit so <laughs> now it makes uh complete sense for them to do something with HBO Max and and you call, you kind of called it you like were spot on with it I I didn't disagree with you at the time but you definitely were the one that's like oh yeah he's de- he, he's definitely going to buy it and like and you actually had good ideas of what to do booking out of it so I'm more interested to hear your takes on uh you know what you would do with Ring of Honor going forward I have one thing that I think they might do but that's kind of a another news item in itself so I think uh, this is a smart idea. Uh, I think that if the company is going to basically completely, you know, disintegrate, because that's what it was going to happen to it. I mean, they said, we're going to do another pay-per-view, and they're still going to be doing that pay-per-view. But afterwards, were they going to invest anything in a dying product after they released all their fucking wrestlers and shit? So, yeah, I think Tony taking this over makes sense. Uh, The main reason... Is because of the tape library. 
Uh, I will say that the the idea of a Ring of Honor show uh, presented maybe in an NXT like way, either on another Time Warner show or or, or or channel, I should say, or keeping it exclusively on either their network that they're making or whatever they could be doing with HBO Max. That's intriguing, but the tape library is important. You got to understand if you now have all these wrestlers that are part of your roster and a lot of them that are on the other product, you can do, I mean, stuff similar to what WWE did. Remember when Kenny Omega was getting popular? So WWE was like the only Kenny Omega match that we have from fucking when he was in like fried chicken wrestling or whatever the fuck the name of that territory was, uh, you know, way back in the day and had like a crap promo of him. Like they would do that constantly for a long period of time. If I was Tony, I'd be like, hey, we have, a, besides all the great wrestlers, like we have CM Punk, we have the best of Brian Danielson, we also have AJ Styles, we also have a guy named Tyler Black. I would fucking spit that right back in the face to WWE. That's that's not a petty way, like doing it on promos, just bringing up their name for no fucking reason. That's a business thing. And if you have now this whole entire tape library, um, I think that that's... That's positive because, like I said, these are a lot of your past performers there. <laughs> I love how – and if you guys get a – if you get a chance, actually watch just the CM Punk. Actually, the Sting one was great, but like the uh, post-media scrum after Revolution with CM Punk. Uh, dude's really emotional. Just so happy to be back in wrestling and happy to be involved in wrestling. And one of the things he says that he – and, you know, this, this might come off a bit selfish, I guess you could say. But at the same time, I see where he's coming from. But he has said – I'm glad that Tony has it or anyone has it that, you know, besides Vince, because he already has a bunch of my matches. And he goes, the biggest thing about it is I don't get paid for that. And none of the boys do. So all the stuff that you see where these these wrestlers that used to be in WWE, they're not getting paid for any of the stuff that's on the network. So, you know, and that's not fair to them. And he goes, I just don't want him to have any more of my matches. I'm glad that Tony, someone that actually cares about them, will treat them with respect. And uh, I think that's a very good point about the library. We'll talk more about the what could happen with the promotion, but yeah, man, um, the library itself, I think you can do a lot of that with the streaming service or working with HBO max with their streaming service, just like WWE is with Peacock. But what happens is the question I'm going to send to you, Chris, about this. Is this bought upright from, um, the, the Sinclair broadcasting? Like, did they completely purchase it or would they still have to work in the parameters for a television show with a Sinclair network, uh, like, do they have the rights of having a Ring of Honor show? That, that's the one thing I don't understand. I don't know if you've heard anything different. From what I heard, they just outright purchased the company. They didn't purchase actual TV time with Sinclair. So I, what the number was somewhere between 25 and 30. I mean, 30 million, which is a lot of fucking money, but that is a very deep tape library. And like I said, if you're, I mean, you're going to make that back if you start your own streaming service. And uh, to me, the bigger question is like, what does that mean for AW pay-per-views? They just did 140 million buys or yeah, 140,000 buys for the pay-per-view at what $40 a pop. Like um, this goes back to UFC and WWE when WWE is like, Hey, we're just going to put all of our pay-per-views on one streaming service. Is AEW going to go that route or are they going to continue to do pay-per-views that that's me is, almost more interesting than you know the conversation of who owns the tape library i get where punk's coming from though because he still has very hard feelings for that fucking guy i think a lot of people have hard feelings for that company 
what I would love to see them do is kind of the impact thing if they can do it, if they can flex with like TNT or TBS or whatever and do like a, uh, what is it, like 60 minutes of impact before their show as a lead-in and show some of those classic Ring of Honor matches to hype up whatever streaming service they have. Because, I mean, you got Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles in Ring of Honor. Like, there's so much good shit. There's so much good shit. Like, if you're like, we're going to talk about MJF and CM Punk on our show, but how about we show you uh, CM Punk versus Raven so that that has a little more contextual, like, evidence. Or it's like, hey, hey, uh, Kevin Owens is going against... (laughs) Stone Cold at WrestleMania. Here's here's him versus El Generico in a ladder match. Like or or let me <laughs> let me just say or a compilation of him just going ah! like falling into things off of tables and shit and through ladders. I'm just kidding. I love Kevin. Yeah, I, I can't wait until they do show one of his matches and we get to hear that like somebody called Jim Cornette. <laughs> I think he might be mad at me. <laughs> um. It, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was going to say, like, I haven't heard anything. Jim, I don't know if Jim Cornette's talked about this purchase yet on his shows because I haven't had a chance to listen to him. But I'm wondering how he feels about the fact that everything he did in Ring of Honor now belongs to Tony Khan. <laughs> um, he's actually like, it's so weird because like when I was trying to find the news article for the details, me just searching uh, Tony Khan Ring of Honor, it had Jim Cornette slanders Tony Khan. I'm like. I fucking listened to the episode. He was actually like, there are people that are way more negative within the. Uh, I'm trying to think of like uh, Raj Giri, the uh, head of Wrestling Inc., thinks this is kind of pointless outside the library. Uh, but I thought Jim actually had a lot of good ideas of what they should do. And, you know, he doesn't hate Tony Khan. He just thinks that he does a lot of amateur shit and no one's there to kind of guide him correctly a lot of times when it comes to booking. Um, but when it comes to him having Ring of Honor, I mean, I think a lot of people are just like, thank God WWE doesn't have another promotions because it was going to be one or the other. It was going to be Ring of Honor was going to go to WWE and part of their library or Tony Khan was going to get it. I can't believe, though, that this is, I don't know, probably like six more times the worth of what WCW was uh, when fucking Vince bought it. By the way, if you guys don't know, I know it was in like, what, 2001, I believe, but WWE uh, bought WCW it was so down that I think it was $3.5 million to purchase it. That's why Eric almost literally got as much assets as he could to purchase it, but Vince was able to get it in one lump sum and beat him to the chase. But yeah, that's fucking crazy that we're talking about 30 compared to three. So 10 times, actually, I can do math. Yeah, and a current AEW superstar was kind of there through that. Jericho, he was like, if I knew what it sold for, I could have got some guys together to buy it. <laughs> you know, during that time period, was Kevin Nash was making like $2 million a year or some shit. <laughs> so, um, it, yeah, I mean, it, it is weird to think about, like, I don't know. I, I feel I love Ring of Honor. I think there's some great stuff in there. $30 million versus, like, what, what Vince paid for the WWE library. But if, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're Triple H right now, as soon as you saw this, you probably just like threw the TV through the window like it was Randy Orton. Remember that? <laughs> I'm sure that's what, I'm sure that's yeah. what Triple H did. He's like, God damn, I knew, I was like, we should have bought this like three years ago. 
you're just giving this you're just giving them so much fuel and like wwe because they haven't built any of their own stars maybe outside of reigns at this point um and lesnar to some extent i guess but out, outside of that it's like all your top guys are from like they're from ring of honor and all the people that really care about it they're either from ring of honor or new japan so it's it's fucking wild man it's the wild wild west out yeah. here but I'm glad that Tony Khan got the library. I'm excited to see what that's going to look like and what they do with it. I think there's a lot of cool things they could do with it. I would do the if I think they're going to relaunch Ring of Honor and do Elevation and Dark as a second brand, kind of like they did NXT, which is which is smart to me, especially if you actually put good matches on it. Which uh, I watched the last Elevation, it was pretty good. It had my girl Session Moss on it, so I had to watch it. Um, but yeah, it's like a, it was a really good show. There was like good matches on it and stuff. Paul White's uh, Big Show sucks at commentary. They got to fix that. Like he's it, he's not built for that. Um, but outside of that, like it was a really fun show to watch. So if you brand it with Ring of Honor and that's where you're gonna push your new guys and and you can have separate titles and do your own thing and put it on a streaming platform, um, that's pretty cool, man. Like. I don't know. I'm very excited for it. And like I said, I would love, I would love like a, like a, before you get into dynamite on Wednesday, right? Right. If they do, if, if they do that 30 second, like, or that 30 minute show where it's like, Oh, it's the uh, ROH rewind or whatever, like impact does. I think they do a great job of that. They're like, um, Hey, if you're just browsing the channels and you see wrestling, here's a really good impact match will lead you in well they don't always do the best job of what matches they pick but you get what i'm saying like i feel like there's a lot you can do do with that kettle like the one that they just showed um before impact uh this week was uh uh the dudley boys winning the tag titles in the cage or whatever which was pretty cool so there's so much cool shit you can do with that library and that library is so deep and there's so many good matches and that's why i was so sad that ring of honor had died and me and you talked about it. Was it December? Was it November or December? December. Oh, uh, I want to say it was. I mean, either or. It was right around that time. Right, and 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 like the whole thing for me is like when they announced the company was ending, I was like, they're selling the library, like they're done, that's it. And they're like, no, nah, we're gonna come back in April. And it's like, yeah, you are, but just, just not. <laughs> not from Sinclair <laughs> you know what I mean so uh it, it's super awkward with impact right now because they're doing this honor no more thing so does like Tony Khan like own like in kayfabe this kayfabe it does he own all of these ring of honor stars I mean there's a lot of fun things that could come out of this absolutely and I think that I don't know if I I've heard other people say that you know, Ring of Honor, the the name of the product when it comes to the masses, why would you try to bring a like even if you're trying to do like a raw roster, SmackDown roster like thing, why would you, you know, separate AEW as a branding tool, as the name, the one that you've already built by bringing this older one that's not as well known to the public? I've heard that from different people that said that. And I kind of disagree. I think that there's two ways to handle this. Uh, and I don't know what night to do this to me, what I would do and I, who, who the fuck cares what I would do, but just, you know, giving an opinion, um, you have dynamite as AEW's 
roster, you kind of do a roster split, I would say. Uh, if you wanted to do two television shows, maybe name AEW Honor and put it on some other night. Definitely don't do Monday, but you can figure out something. I'm sorry, but you could do it on fucking Tuesday. Who gives a shit about what's going on with NXT? I don't even think it's a statement at this point. It would just be you guys getting your own television space. I don't know if that would interact with hockey and basketball, but I'm just saying you could do something else. Uh and basically make it a part of the brand, but this is the Ring of Honor, if you will, or this. What I would do is just have it as an NXT. Put it on a streaming platform. If you find a spot to put it for television, try that, but make it smaller like NXT was, like Ring of Honor was. So if you're doing stuff with HBO Max or you build your own um, you know, streaming service, just put it on there once a week. People are going to watch it. People watched NXT. And this one is if if AEW is a good blend, I think, of sports entertaining, sports entertainment and professional wrestling, I would say this one's more catered towards the professional wrestling as opposed to the sports entertainment stuff. So it becomes more gritty, like Ring of Honor used to already be. There's a reason I think that Jay Lethal hasn't been on in a while, and I think it might be something involving this. Gabe Sapolsky got fired from WWE. Yeah, he has problems with some of the people that work for AEW, but he doesn't have problems with Tony. Uh, you know, you already have other people that have been a pro- part of it, uh, like Delirious, that are still about. I mean, you can make your own team, Gary Silken included, to produce this. Get back Ian Riccoboni, and I forgot the other gentleman that did it with him. Um, get Samoa Joe involved, uh, whatever he wants to do. I mean, he could be helping out with this. This could be something that if Brian Danielson or CM Punk want to, like, get newer stars kind of involved, but, you know, it's more catered towards the wrestling side. You can do that. Then I, I don't even think you have to do separate pay-per-views. You can have stuff involved with this and that, or maybe you can, I don't know. Maybe that's streaming thing too. I have no clue exactly the logistics of how you would, you would do it, but I would take advantage of the ring of honor concept. I just wouldn't do another television show during the week on television because I don't know where the fuck you're going to put them. But if you put it on the streaming as like an NXT like product, and you're using the YouTube shows, maybe one caters more towards AEW. Obviously, the dark matches that come right before it. Um, and the other one, Elevation, maybe caters towards the streaming thing in the sense that that's where you see the newer stars or indie wrestlers just kind of flying by like it is already. Going against some bigger names, but kind of cater them towards the two different, you know, then Cesaro has a place. You have a huge fucking roster. You don't have a place for a lot of good people. Some people are better at the wrestling than anything else. Some people are better on the mic. That, that, that's, that's not a problem. I think that if, if, if Tony wants to do it, he needs to build a strong foundation, more in the professional wrestling sense. And I'm sorry, that means I wouldn't probably put an Orange Cassidy, the Dark Order, anything like that. Even Dan Housen, even though he was just there on Ring of Honor, I kind of keep that more one way and this the other way and see how it goes. And if you find a, a good slot to put it in, you know, do it there and use Rampage as a way to have matches for both products. Um, so, yeah, that's maybe, I guess, in a roundabout way, the way I would do it, Chris. I don't know. I don't have a, I'm not a fucking billionaire. I mean, I love everything you said makes sense. I think that's one way you could do. I would say definitely any wrestling company should go out and hire Gabe Sapolsky because they think he's fucking brilliant and he books really good shit with the talent that he has. 
to the point that it's actually kind of ridiculous. The same thing is Delirious. Like, I can't believe Delirious kept Ring of Honor in business for the past, like, five or six years. Um, but Not to mention William Regal. I forgot of that one. <laughs> yeah, Regal's there. Um, what I would do, and this is like a pipe dream of, of what you should do, is get Jim Cornette. Have him be the Ring of Honor guy, build up that feud, have that be the Ring of Honor pride, uh, proud wrestling handshakes before each match. He can bring in his guys. He can bring in like Claudio. He can bring in um, uh, Jay Lethal, like a lot of the guys that he really loves. FTR, he could be their manager, so he could do a crossover thing. I think that would be the route I was going to go if I'm trying to launch this. Because uh, at, at some point, this is a competing brand with AEW, or that's the way I would do it, so that you're creating your own competition, because AEW and WWE, they're just fucking, they're very different. <laughs> like, they really are, if you look at it. They're, they're just different things. Um, I mean, it's still wrestling, but it's very different. But uh, you could build that storyline up, and then you get cool matches like FTR versus the Young Bucks with Tony Khan, uh, if he can become a wrestling character, which I think he's trying to do, and I think that's part of why his promos are so weird. When he does come out and talk in front of the camera, he's trying to find his Vince McMahon. Uh, but yeah, I would do something like that. Like I would, you know, give it to Cornette, have him just fucking book Ring of Honor. That's when everybody loved it. <laughs> Maybe not the wrestlers so much, but uh, I would do that. I, 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 like I said, pipe dream. I don't think it's going to happen. But if if it was me and I had enough money. And I could run it out of the state of Kentucky in Jim Cornette's backyard, I guess. Or what the fuck does he call his house? The the, the Cornette Farm or whatever the hell. If I could just run a the show banner, there. The Cornette Banner. Yeah, you just run a show there. I think that would be the way to go. Because I feel like that creates a very interesting dynamic. Especially with um, this Moxley and Danielson thing they're doing. It, it leads into that. If like there's these people over here doing a wrestling in quotation show but we're over here doing real ass wrestling and then having an asshole like jim Cornette, uh you know shitting on kenny omega on the mic or what whatever oh god i, I think <laughs> but you if know you what i mean, send, like, i know what you mean but also if you want to like oh wait the young bucks and kenny omega's contracts coming up uh let's have bring jim Cornette in and see if they decide to stay around again <laughs> i don't know if that's gonna work uh I mean, I think it's going to work if, like, you do that and it's a huge storyline and everybody makes more money because money talks, bullshit walks, right? Yeah, I just don't know. I don't I don't perceive Kenny Omega as one of those guys that's going to be like, yeah, you can call me, you know, uh, what the hell does he call him, a Mick Finger Bang or whatever? Or, <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, he's yeah, not going to call him that on the show. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like. I, I, I like the idea of, like. Hey Jim, like if this, if this was me and it was Tony, like, hey Jim, could you, would you uh, book Ring of Honor from like your house and just do it every single week? We'll give you the roster. You can work with Delirious, Gabe Sapolsky, and shit like that, and figure this stuff out. Maybe, and then come to events. But I, he's such a fucking curmudgeon. He doesn't want to leave his state. He's scared shitless of the pandemic. And then you have all the fucking people, including Tony, sometimes that he said pretty scathing things about. So. I mean, I love your idea. I just, I don't, I don't see it happening. And unless they leave, and then it's like, okay, we're, we're good. Bucks and Kenny are gone. They went to WWE. Hey, Jim, you want to come in? And then it's like a different situation entirely. But 
<laughs> well, like I said, it's it's probably a pipe dream. But if you're doing something, if you want to do something really cool and innovative, that's what to do. And they've already tried to hire Jim Cornette beforehand. He's had conversations with Ring of or not Ring of Honor, but AEW, like they yep. wanted to bring him in as the manager of F, uh, FTR. So it's it's not far fetched. It is ridiculous, and I don't think it's going to happen. But like, if if it's me and I have enough money to throw at it, and I was trying to book a really cool, really separate cool, product, separate product, that's what I would do. That's what I would do. I got you. I'm not trying to, you know, blow your house down, uh, big bad wolf style. But just uh, Jim Cornette's a very, I don't know, he's an interesting character. I'd love him to be a part of wrestling any type of way, but it's like he comes in and then he does something and then he leaves, obviously. NWA and MLW weren't good. He almost got in a fist fight with Sammy Guevara on fucking camera live. And then, which Sammy was being a dick, uh, but still. And then also, you know, we, we all remember the NWA thing with the uh, Ethiopian starving people comment that he said. Ugh. So, yeah. I, but that's also like, I don't God know if you're, if you're building a crazy, if you're trying to build a new product, having a guy like that's not necessarily the worst thing. No, no <laughs> you know what I mean? Not at so, all. Um, but yeah, realistically, I think you're right. Like I would do delirious gave Sapolsky, just give them the fucking book, let them run with it. And I would hire back as many ring of honor guys as you can, like the Dalton castles, the, uh, beer city bruiser, um, Jay Lethal, obviously, I think would need to go back there. Uh, Jonathan Gresham, I don't, I don't know where, what, I think he's not signed to Impact, but he's doing contractual things, right? Like he's a if paid, paid it, per appearance. If he's a lot, if they make a, if they make a deal with him, which maybe Lethal has talked to him because they're best friends. And like I said, I feel like Lethal would be involved in any type of thing about this. And if this is the, if this is the case where. Jay Lethal, that's the reason why they've been kind of sitting on him is because Tony's been trying to work this shit out and wants Jay to be a part of whatever the fuck happens. That's awesome that Jay got fucked, let go from Ring of Honor, got picked up by AEW immediately afterwards, and now might be involved with Ring of Honor going forward underneath the AEW umbrella. But Jonathan Gresham, if if he can do his stuff over here in Atlanta and do a couple indie shows, and like he'll have no He's definitely going to want to keep on doing Terminus, but... I don't think Tony's going to have a problem with that. He lets fucking Moxley do GCW matches. So, you know what I'm saying? So, it's like, you know, I, I think he's definitely obtainable. Uh, and he's the current champ. You need to have him as a part of whatever going forward. And that's what that's what Tony said. The end of April marks the end of the old term. He then has it going forward after that. I don't know if the tape at library is different. But he has to wait until everything finalizes. And that will be right after their last pay-per-view, uh, technically, as this entity or whatever the fuck entity between, uh, you know, Sinclair and Tony Khan's wallet, dad's wallet, whatever. Yeah, I mean, Tony Khan had a lot of swing and however this deal went down because the what they booked for for that Hall of Fame thing they're doing was like two people that are on Tony Khan's rest, like roster. <laughs> Yep. You know, you know what I mean? Like they have them boys, they could do that. And then Samoa Joe, who's just like, by the way, can we just get more Samoa Joe in our lives? That'd be great. Um, but outside of that, it's I don't there's so much cool stuff you can do with Ring of Honor. And I'm glad that someone that loves wrestling, which you know, I don't necessarily love all Tony Khan's ideas and the things he necessarily books, but he does love wrestling and he probably he really loved Ring of Honor. So 
I'm just excited to be able to pull up if this happens on a streaming platform. I'm like, man, I really feel like watching Kevin Owens's run as uh, or Kevin Kevin Steen's run as heavyweight champion. That'd be great. Or I, I really want to watch Chris Hero and Claudio. I think that's that'd be amazing, right? Like if they can do what WWE does, where they put like really good packages of these different superstars together, like the Undertaker packages, their Eddie Guerrero packages that WWE does, which just like here's 20 of their matches. Um, I think that's gonna be fucking that's gonna be a banger. Cause like if you looked at Ring of Honor streaming service, which I had, it's not bad. I mean, it it had everything on it, but it wasn't it wasn't as accessible as like WWE is where you just click on a thing and you're like, ah, let's watch 25 Eddie Guerrero matches. And then your wife yells at you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As long as it's not like new Japan's, I think we'll be fine. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, it's just, it's going to be interesting. I think they should take advantage of this. I think there's more wrestlers that are catered towards what a ring of honor style would, you know, be, uh, um, then, than AEW guys that they have currently. I actually think there's certain people that since they have so many fucking talented people, it might as well grab some of them that are not doing anything like Tony Neeson and, and uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott just had a great or Isaiah Swerve Scott. Damn it. Shane Strickland. Screw you NXT. Anyways. Um, that's, a a name that grew, that, that's a name that grew on me. Well, I hated it originally, but the swerve part of it is so good. <laughs> like, well, I'm so glad he's going by Shane Swerve Strickland. That that was smart yeah. of him to take the nickname for yeah. sure. But he seems more – I think that he's a great guy for AEW. But Tony Nese could be a great guy for fucking Ring of Honor. That's what I'm saying. So if, if you guys have more guys that are more comfortable with the wrestling aspect, like a Cesaro. Cesaro would be perfect for this. Him and Chris Hero. The Briscoes are really either way, but obviously certain things might keep them off of the name AEW, but I don't feel like getting into that. But, um, yeah, like I'm saying, I think that you could do two different rosters and keep this as your, not necessarily your developmental stuff. I would keep the YouTube shit as that, but as a different product, um, possibly on your streaming service, just like NXT used to be. Just, like I said, give it to Delirious, Gabe Sapolsky, and William Regal. I mean, you got the guy that fucking was the godfather of NXT under Triple H, and then the two guys that have been fucking Ring of Honor's biggest, you know, I don't know if they have issues with each other, but their biggest bookers separately besides Jim Cornette. So, I don't know. It seems like a no-brainer to me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I definitely, like I said, I would I would look at bringing people like Vincent, Dalton Castle, Beer City Bruiser, yeah. PCO, like get those guys back in there because I feel like that, you know, the diehard Ring of Honor fans that stuck with that product through that, they deserve those kind of wrestlers. It's fine to sprinkle in your Samojos and bring back Gabe Sapolsky. Um, but you know, there is something to be said for a lot of those guys who are doing great work in Ring of Honor, like Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. Yes. Like well, I think it's signed now to NWA, um, <laughs> which good for him if he is, you know, or I think PCO actually might have signed. He's one of the only guys that signed with Impact, but I could be wrong about that. And if that happens, that happens. But, yeah, a lot of those other guys. Get him back, man, and bring a lot of the old classic ones and a couple of the guys that you're not doing anything on your product and make an awesome roster and let someone run it. I don't see the thing is I've heard that Tony has said that he wants to run everything himself. If he makes another show, that's fucking ludicrous to me. He can, he can advise it, 
but I don't want to see this man fucking just drag himself out with 90 Red Bulls until his heart explodes trying to write two shows when he writes good ideas but writes them kind of out of order sometimes. And it seems like it'll escalate even worse, you know? It would be so amazing to be in a room and have Tony Khan and Vince McMahon having a conversation because, like, I feel like Tony Khan's looking at Vince and he's like, I can do that. And it's like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> Vince McMahon. Yeah, you, you don't also do wild. this steady diet and also <laughs> working out every fucking day to keep your whole entire. There's a lot, there, there's a lot that go into it, basically. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was saying is like, Tony Khan's trying to do that. Like, he's trying to write all of these shows. Like, the Brody Lee special, he said he wrote at like 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> like it which was a great fucking show but it's like how long can you do that success like it doesn't you don't need one person to be booking all these shows what i'm assuming is uh elevation and dark will just become ring of honor which i'm fine with i think that's great especially if you're bringing in ring of honor people uh to do it and book it but yeah i you're probably right tony khan's gonna try to run all this shit itself and uh I don't know. That always works well when one guy runs like three or four shows, as we've uh, seen. <laughs> and all I have to say is that if if he ends up putting it on YouTube, you get you please change up certain things you do on your fucking YouTube show. Then don't bring in all these fucking barely being able to handle YouTube time, fucking indie dudes, um, and call it Ring of Honor. Uh, that I don't want to fucking see. I actually, still try to do it. But make it a little bit separately and just use that on YouTube. But I think they should put on us on a fucking streaming platform. They already have the YouTube shit. Keep that by itself. It's not really existent. It's like the Netflix stuff compared to the MCU, but the Netflix stuff was good, and this stuff is just shit most of the fucking time. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's I don't know if I'd rebrand it with fucking Elevation and Dark. Yeah, I'm on the yeah. same page as you. Uh, I. I you brought up something kind of, kind of weird that I hadn't heard where you were saying people wanted to kind of just see them like keep the library, but not actually use the ring of honor brand. But like, why would you not use the brand to like make it a competition kind of thing? I don't, I don't, uh, you know, because people are fucking when they perceive the industry, they act like it's still as popular or as big as it once was. And it doesn't cater. Even if we're a larger group, to mainstream fans that keep up with everything. So they think that everyone's are, are fucking idiots. And I understand there's a way. If Jim Cornette is not bothered by this concept and is not bringing this up, I'm sorry. It's getting to the point. This is going to be a fucking different thing altogether. <laughs> we're, we're news. We're, 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 we're news outlets. And I'm even going all the way to the top. I wish their influence on the industry as far as the fans go and what they listen to them would go down a notch because these are guys, and yes, some of them have worked their asses off to be the editor of whatever thing, whether it be Wrestling Inc. with Raj Geary or Sean Rossaf with Fightful, and a lot of them bring us great facts, or even even Dave sometimes, or, or uh, Wade Keller. But guys, they all get wrong information, and they all are giving their best opinion based on everything. But certain people kind of put their opinion as if it's fact, like... And when you're when you're talking, and I've seen Jim say the same type of shit, when you're talking about wrestling today, you have to realize that the audience itself is not the audience that it was when it was the biggest in the fucking late 90s, early 2000s. But so it caters more towards the people that like certain details, certain history. So 
I don't know. I think having Ring of Honor as maybe your NXT or, or whatever as another product, it's not that big of a deal. But to say it's not that big of a deal to have Ring of Honor as another company, you know, when you've already built up AEW as a name, is just fucking stupid. And it's like, if you're worried about people getting into the product that don't watch wrestling, I don't think it's going to matter one way or the, or the other, honestly, at this point. So if it's more for the fans that actually like it, that are going to go buy tickets for it and shit, I think that's what matters more. And some people just need to stop being, you know, acting like they're fucking the Jesus of fucking wrestling when none of these motherfuckers have even gotten a goddamn ring. Well, like, here's the other thing is if you're Tony Khan, do you give a shit if ring of honor gets bigger than AEW? because and that's the other thing. It. <laughs> Tony like Khan, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Tony Khan is going in the negative with this product and he's not worried about it. He just bought this for 30, 32, you know, million dollars. He, he just, I, I forgot, he just purchased something else that was also extremely expensive. Just got a bunch of big wrestlers on contracts and shit. He knows and has said that he was going to lose money for the first five years. But he, oh, the video game, how much he's putting into this video game. But he wants to get it back, but he's not worried about that because he has basically endless funds, people. So he is going to try shit like this. He is going to be the wrestling fan. That's what separates him from Vincent Del Product. So you might understand why he does this. But let's see what happens. I mean, there has to be if 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 a fucking billionaire, even if he inherited some from his his, his dad, if a fucking successful billionaire thinks that he can do this, let him fucking do it. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Anytime when someone complains about Tony Khan spending money, I'm just like, that's fucking. That's like if I buy a, a, a extra Coke from a restaurant on Uber, basically to him, you know, like it's it's fucking ridiculous. What Jeff Bezos played like what fifty million dollars to shoot Shatner into the atmosphere? Like that's the kind of money we're talking about. Like he bought an entire it's fuck product. you money. Yeah, it's like it's we're not wealth, talking- not rich. <laughs> yeah, it's it's different. Like you know, it's hard to look at your life like that. But like this guy, he could buy me, you, our houses, our cars, like without even sweating it. Like. And if you want to do that, Tony, I'm down for it completely. Yeah, we're down. Put us on the roster. Me, we're going to be the new Ring of Honor commentating crew. Um, if I have to put on a lucha mask, I will. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, Get at us. Can, you, can we, we call you El Sombrero? Yeah, sure. Uh, El, El Sombrero. <laughs> like the restaurant in Oakwood Hall County. <laughs> hey, just us. He's been there. Um. No, just all, all joking aside, it's like, when you think about it like that, it's like, you know, he spent $30 million, bought a tape library, kind of, he's going to make money off of it, especially if they do a streaming deal. Like, it's not, it's not going to take that much. And like, at the end of the day, you don't really care if Ring of Honor gets bigger than AEW. If that happens, it's still going to the same fucking bank account. Yeah. And if it doesn't, <laughs> if it doesn't, who cares? It's going to be some type of increase in uh, revenue, like if it doesn't get as popular. So who who gives a shit? It's so let me try it. I understand it takes a lot to run, but he has such a giant roster. It's not going to be hard for him to be able to figure out some shit and then work it out. Um, I don't know. People are fucking weird. People are stupid. I'm done. It's, it's also that it's also that I think the mindset is they look at it as the elite created AW, not Tony Khan created AW. So I think that's part of it. Like Tony Khan, I mean, like while he did create a company with these people, he doesn't really get he doesn't have to give a fuck about AEW as a name. 
Like if Ring of Honor gets bigger, no, you can treat it like he does the Jaguars <laughs> in his soccer team. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, like if Ring of Honor just becomes the more popular show, like he doesn't have to give a fuck about that because he's <laughs> it's 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 company. It's not like it would be different if like I don't I you know but who's the dude that fucking sued Gawker with Hulk Hogan if that guy started a wrestling company or something or if he bought Ring of Honor and then you would have to worry about it. But it's like, you know, Tony Khan, if he wants to start a competing brand with himself and that brand gets more popular, not that big of a deal, dude, because it's still goes the same bank account. That's why I said maybe call it AEW <laughs> Honor if you do another show on television. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. We'll know. It's just dumb. This is just... Anyways, let's move on with the news. But I think me and you are on the same uh, headspace when it comes to people being people. Um so, apparently, the whole Vince McMahon, Pat McAfee thing was supposed to happen like that at WrestleMania. Um, and he was on Pat McAfee. It was actually a really great interview. Obviously, a lot of it's catered to Pat fucking kissing Vince's ass the whole entire time. But I thought Pat brought up stuff that was ballsy of him to actually bring up, even you know, even though Vince didn't say anything about it, bringing up AEW and asking him certain things. He knew his parameters, if you will. but. The interview while I'm watching it, I'm like, they don't look mad at each other. Like, what the fuck's going on? And then by the end of it, you're like, oh, okay, he just offered him a spot in WrestleMania. And Pat said that he heard it off the internet, but it actually wasn't confirmed in real life. I don't know if I believe that, but his reaction was great. If it wasn't true or, or not, whatever. So he was excited about it. And then we found out that Vince basically decided, this is, I'm not going to do this. I'll have Austin in this place. I think originally they were going with possibly Austin Theory versus either Shane or Seth was the rumor. One of those. But um, so I guess now it was it's going to be Austin Theory versus Pat McAfee. And Vince is going to be probably, I'm assuming, in Austin's corner. Um, so we'll have some type of interaction. But I think it was a smart idea, actually. I, even though the concept that you read a headline, because WWE does care about the shit. That we, you know, we're talking about the stuff that Tony probably doesn't care as much about. Um, well, it's all semantics, but like being the headlines, Vince McMahon is going to be in the ring one last time. This apparently is supposed to be a part of the last shot in his documentary. So maybe at the end of it, Vince comes out and just beats the living shit out of both of them or something. I don't know. They can figure it out. So his next, his documentary is coming on Netflix. This is going to be the end to it. But he doesn't want to wrestle. He gets Austin Theory, who's a smart person to put in the ring with Pat. They'll have a great match. And I thought last night, Chris, they cemented it to me. I mean, Pat McAfee just started beating the shit out of fucking Austin Theory, who comes down there while they're commentating, has nothing to do with the match that's going on, and, uh, you know, just beats the crap out of him, was jumping off the table, doing springboards and shit, uh, and... Pat McAfee's a natural professional wrestler in every sense of the word. And I thought that Austin really uh, sold it well when he went up the ramp and almost came at Pat when they were, like, broken up and shit like that. And then they were both escorted out. I thought Michael Cole did a great job trying to calm him down, actually, and making it sound believable. I can't believe I'm saying this. Pat McAfee makes Michael Cole likable on commentary. Like, he he's we know that he's just going to be whatever fucking thing they need to get out there, whatever statement like Survivor Series were one day a year that the blah, blah, blah. We, we know he's going to say that shit. It's not really his fault, but God, it's so much better than that stupid heel Michael Cole thing they were doing for years. And I love Pat McAfee. <laughs> so 
I'm 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 happy about this. I I know it sucks to a lot of people that Vince is not stepping in the ring, but do we really need Vince McMahon to step in the ring? I think Austin Theory and fucking Pat McAfee will kill it. And thank you, Pat, for still doing the Mr. Perfect pen thing all the time. I, I watch that. I'm glad that you're a fan. I really am. <laughs> I I think you're 100% correct, and I never really wanted Vince to have a match. It's interesting, and he can still be part of the match. Vince can restart this match as many times as he wants. It's his company, right? So, like, there's cool things that you can restart do with Restart the damn match! Yeah, there's cool as long as they don't just do a Montreal screw job kind of thing and they're like, ah, oh, we did that, uh, wink nod. But like if they want to have just Vince being like, No, now this is a hardcore match or last man standing match, like in the middle of the match or stuff with just Vince being on the outside. I mean, if if you're like would you would you rather see Pat and and Austin Deary have a match or Vince and Pat have a match? I'm like Bro, the the latter. Like, I I want to see, I want to see theory. Like, theory's going to be able to carry Pat to a good match. Not that he, there's anything wrong with him. I thought he looked great on SmackDown. Honestly, it did make me kind of excited to see him in Austin Theory. But yeah, like him versus Vince. Like, I don't know. There's very few people that would be able to work a good match with Vince McMahon at this point. He's like 78 years old. Like, what kind of bumps are you wanting this guy to do? You know what I mean? Like you're talking about the guy that blew out both quads at the same time. <laughs> I, I, Jesus. I just, you know, I, I agree with you a hundred percent on this one. I think, I think it's great where they're going. The only thing I would say is before Vince either leaves WWE or dies, I want one last like tell all interview. And if I had to pick, pick one guy to do it, it would either be Austin or um, even better to me. Um, Oh God, who's the shock rock DJ? His name just skipped my mind. He's such a great interviewer. Howard Stern. There you go. I think Howard Stern's done great interviews with him in the past. And I think that would be if I was going to do a big interview tell all kind of thing. The interview you actually want from Vince, I would Howard Stern would be the guy. My top four, and I think all of them are accessible. It's definitely Stern. Austin, who Austin had it. I love how they said this has been hasn't been the uh, last interview since that one where he fought the dude. I forgot what the or almost fought the dude. But um, I'm like, no, he had a great one with Austin. So I love a last one with Austin. Uh, I like your idea about Howard Stern. I think he's turned into a fucking puss uh, compared to where he was. But I'm not going to get into all that. But he's a great interviewer. Check out his one with Paul McCartney, for instance. Um, and then I was I throw Joe Rogan and I throw Chris Jericho actually. Because I think Chris Jericho could get stuff out of him. Uh, especially, I mean, I think we, I feel like eventually once Jericho's done with AEW with his contract, if he's happy about all he accomplished, he might want to go end his career at WWE, and I'm sure Vince would take him back. So that's another person, because I think that Chris is a great interviewer. Just, um, Pat did a great job, man. I mean, honestly, like I said, he catered towards them, but he still was there to ask him some stuff, and it was nice hearing officially. Vince McMahon will be inducting The Undertaker into the Hall of Fame. He did it with Donald Trump, I believe, and a gentleman that helped out his dad and him, uh, one of their advisors, way back at the beginning of it. Other than that, it's only been Steve Austin out of the wrestlers. So I'm excited for that. I think it's going to be emotional. He even got almost a little bit emotional, which Pat kind of called him out, and I don't think he liked it uh, when he was talking about it. And it's the perfect person to do it. And now, apparently, we'll just kind of throw this all in, Chris. I know it's a lot of info. What do you expect? Hall of Fame this year will be Undertaker, Vader, 
It looks like the Steiner brothers. It looks like Psycho Sid Vicious. And I forgot what the female person is that's uh, rumored to be a part of it. I'll, I'll look that up right now. But, I mean, what the fuck? Undertaker and WCW basically are inducted into the Hall of Fame. How the hell is Scott going to be there? Or is this going to be a situation where Scott's like, fuck this? And then Braun Breaker inducts his dad in, you know, to represent both of them. Because we've heard all the wonderful things Scott said about Triple H and his wife and, you know, the company itself. So who knows? Maybe bygones will be bygones. I have no idea. But uh, the Hall of Fame itself, uh, interesting stuff. And any other last statements about Pat McAfee and Vince McMahon's interview? Yeah, the the only reason I was recommending Howard Stern is because he doesn't care about wrestling. So he's kind of an objective versus like anyone that cares about wrestling. Vince can kind of control his narrative where Howard's going to ask him very uncomfortable questions and maybe get a real response. So that's that's why like I threw that name out there as far as like who I would want to see do that big interview with Vince. Um, but Pat did a great job. I, I thought it was fun. It Once again, it's like he also works for Vince. So it's kind of you get that weird. It would be the same thing with Jericho because they're friends. Um, same thing with Austin. Like it, it would just be like kind of if Howard got a hold of it, he would be able to just be himself and ask questions versus like I work for this guy or I have worked for this guy for a long period of time. Um, the, That's why I said Joe as well. I agree with you. Yeah, Joe Rogan would also be a, probably a good one. Um the Vince is pretty pissy about MMA and, and Joe Rogan doesn't necessarily like wrestling at all. So <laughs> that actually might make it more interesting. Um, but as far as the hall of fame, dude, this is a stacked ass lineup for a hall of fame. I think Scott Steiner, he's going to be able to just get over this for, you know, for his nephew and just be a good dude. I mean, he's going to show up and definitely be, be big Papa pump <laughs> and talking about being the big, bad booty daddy. Uh, my real question for you, buddy, is who's who's going to be the guy that is inducted, like doing the intro speech for Sid Vicious? Is it HBK? It's Arn Anderson, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You got an Orson Welles laugh out of me just now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, wow. I hope it is. God dang it. Who would induct Psycho Sid? It's got to be someone that he was actually like friends with uh, yeah it's going to be it's going to be either hbk or, or nash as far as the wwe run goes and and representing psycho sid for his his induction we have john mcketty and everyone's like who and then this is like Vince i played Vince softball Vince. with him he's my favorite friend he played softball with me <laughs> oh god uh yeah I, <laughs> I, I, I screwed up and didn't uh, look up to see who else was uh, was in it. So I got I, I have this brought up. But who do you think is going to do Vader? Is it going to be Mick Foley? I think it makes sense. Harley it's probably going it. Va- it's, it's to be Vader's kid, I would think. Yeah, honestly. that could be. Who runs runs his Twitter, which I they've done that in the past. And I think that's actually kind of fine. Right. Uh, if not him, I would say Mick Foley would be my next. If if you're just linking someone with Terry Funk, if he's healthy, that would be a good one too. We'll um, be about Terry next. But uh, yeah, like I don't know, Mick Foley, Terry, someone from Japan <laughs> would would be a good Vader one. Sting, <laughs> Sting. Yeah. 
that would be a really good one if you're just looking at like good shit that he did in America, like him and Sting. Those were great matches. Him and Cactus. So Mick's probably the most likely, but also like I would be fine if his if his son just wants to come out and talk about Vader like that. I'm fine with that. I don't have any. I don't think it necessarily has to be a wrestler associated with it. I think they did a good job with a uh, big boss man by letting his family kind of do that. I mean, it, it's to celebrate the wrestlers. Or uh, Paul Bearer. Yeah, like yeah. It, it It doesn't necessarily have to be like, this is the guy I feuded with for years. Like, you know, it, you're celebrating that person's life and their legacy in wrestling and doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, this is the guy they feuded with for forever. That's how WWE does it. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. So I'd be completely fine if, if they go completely opposite route. Um, with um, someone like a Vader. With Sid, it's just like, I don't know who inducts <laughs> Vince Russo. It's going to induct Sid. Hey, bro. Sid, bro. One time I told him to get on a fucking second turnbuckle, bro, and jump, and he broke his ankle, bro. Uh, <laughs> fucking idiot. Yeah, and, I, and apparently there isn't a female. I guess that's not the one that leaked out to everyone. Uh, but has do you know if Medusa has been in, inducted? Oh, I don't without, and, and also I still don't have power, so I can't look this up. But uh, it, I don't it think feels, she has. It feels like that she, if not, she should be inducted. Not only as being like a badass women's wrestler, but monster truck driver in a big part of WCW versus WWE. Um, she took that jump to WWE. Two thousand fifteen. Never mind. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say like, there's if she's not inducted, she should be. That's a that's a tragedy if she's not. And uh, I'm a, it's, I'm, it's really sad they didn't invite her back to hasn't hasn't invited her back to like a rumble because she openly tweets about it every year. She's like over here hitting like 300 pound squats talking about like why y'all 60 years me. old, still gorgeous. <laughs> why are y'all not driving Gravedigger and fucking monster truck Medusa's monster truck and shit and it's like dude that's the person you should have her show up in a monster truck at Rumble I want that <laughs> we need more monster trucks in wrestling remember in WCW they had a whole match that was just oh Jesus Hulk Hogan yeah and then and, and then the giant truck. fell off a cliff remember from a parking garage yeah Went we need more ship. of that we need more of that let's do that <laughs> I'm going to suggest, I'm going to throw, and we'll probably find out soon, I'm going to throw a couple females out there uh, that I know for a fact aren't inducted. One of them, I don't know if you should induct Stacey Kliebler, because Scott Steiner's going to be there, probably, and God keep him away from her, please. Um, <laughs> hey, Stacey! How you doing? How's your legs? Scott, go back <laughs> in the back. Jesus Christ. Big Red booty daddy. <laughs> uh, if you guys want to see what I'm talking about, check out the entrance videos they used to do as a team. Um, but anyways, uh, I don't. How about Natalia? I know that she's still currently on the roster, but how many of those fucking women have been kind of partially trained by her? And you know, all her accolades. I could see her if um, I'm forgetting what her name is. She was in TNA. Oh, if Victoria hasn't been inducted, she's like one of the only last women of that era, you know, the late or the early 2000s that hasn't been. Other than that, how about Cindy fucking Lopper? Why have you not inducted her? It's bullshit. Hulk Hogan was in her goddamn music video. She should go in the Hall of Fame, the Celebrity Wing, whatever. Cindy Lopper should I, I be like in the damn Hall of Fame. She started 
Fucking Hulkamania, bro. God. I like you and I have yelled about this every year since doing this show. If, like, if you're going to have a celebrity, why would you not induct the people <laughs> that were part of the first WrestleMania, you dicks? Uh, yeah, Cindy should be there. I don't uh, know. Well, like, uh, get the other one would be Joan Jett. Fucking induct her because Ronda Rousey's using her music. So that's. Fuck it. <laughs> and she can play at Mania again. There, I mean, it, it, this is more of a statement on uh, how WWE viewed women's wrestling for years and years. Like, they don't have anyone to induct because they didn't care about women's wrestling. Like, they're running out of people. They're going to induct, like, Kelly Kelly. No. Like, <laughs> you know I'd ra- what I mean? I'd rather, I'd rather Stacey Keebler go in, at least. I mean, she was entertaining. I'm not going to say she was an actual wrestler, but, you know, she, is she Mickey understood. Is James in this thing? No, Mickey James is not. That's is. right. We 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 talked about that. How great it would be if Mickey got inducted in the TNA and the WWE Hall of Fame in the same year. Maybe it will be Mickey, and maybe that's the reason why we haven't heard it. But she would be perfect. Um, and apparently they're doing something big for Chad Gaspar. I'm assuming they're giving him the Warrior Award this year, so that's pretty awesome as well. Um, but we'll we'll find out probably before they want them to uh, in the next like week or two. The rest of the uh, Hall of Famers. Why didn't he get it last year? <laughs> they already committed to putting, I think, Titus in for all of his shit. For uh... okay, well, Titus isn't going anywhere though. I'm sure Titus O'Neil would have been like, "That's fine." <laughs> I'm sure too, but you know how fucking Vince is. Nope, we can't. I know he died this year, but doesn't matter. Fucking weirdo. Uh, yeah, let's talk about this man. Very happy to hear that the Funker, the crazy one himself, Terry Funk was. Officially receives his Stanley Winston Lifetime Achievement Award from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And it was brought to him by one of his best friends, the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez. Um, just good stuff. Terry's getting old, man. He really is. He's an old man. Uh, I'm sure he'd still want to whoop someone's ass if, if asked, if, if, if he could, even if he couldn't. But uh, I'm happy for the Funker. You know, obviously we've talked about PWI and how... It's prestigious, but it's still fun. Like it's a, it comes from an outlet that kind of keeps kayfabe, but doesn't at the same time. And every year they do their lists, and it's a big deal. But um, if anyone deserves a lifetime achievement award for professional fucking wrestling, it's Terry Funk. And I'm sure he was happy with Manny stopping by. Um, you know, good stuff, good stuff, right? This is one of your favorite wrestlers. I love Terry Funk. What do you think about this? You took my lawler. <laughs> um, I, I fucking love Terry Funk so much. And this is great. And Manny Fernandez is a really cool dude. If you ever get a chance to meet him at a meet and greet or hang out with him at a bar outside of a meet and greet, highly recommended. Good dude. Um, just great to see those two. Cause he talked about how much he loved Terry. Cause he was talking like when I talked to him, he was like, well, I played football at the high school and the funks, they used to come to the games every Friday. Cause Texas and football. And he's like, and that's how I got into the wrestling business. So like that connection between them and having that personal knowledge of like why, you know, Manny and Terry are such good friends. It, it was like, so cool to see that is the guy that gave, cause anyone could give Terry's wrestled everybody. So like anyone could have given him that word. So it was cool to see like it was like actually one of his friends. And um if anyone, like you said, if anyone deserves a lifetime achievement award, it's Terry Funk. Like he's been great everywhere. Even in like, you know, 56-year-old Terry Funk in ECW was great. <laughs> like <laughs> uh he's one of the greatest of all time. 
I, I, he's never going to get the recognition because he wasn't a WWF guy, even though he worked there multiple times. He, he, he's not going to get that recognition. Part of the first mania. Uh, but like, if you go to like, if you look at Terry Funk in Japan or his NWA title runs and stuff, like he's, he's one of the greatest of all time and probably one of the best promos of all time. And when you see someone like uh, Eddie Kingston and uh, which Eddie Kingston retweeted the Terry Funk thing. So that, that, that totally checks out when you see people like Moxley um, and Eddie Kingston cutting promos, that's Terry Funk. Like <laughs> it's him to a T they're doing a little bit of Terry Funk. They, they have their own style on it, but it is Terry Funk and he's absolutely great. If, if anyone ever deserved that award, it's him. And also Ron Simmons got one. It, it got a little less media, uh, media attention, but that's also your first uh, black and WA champion. Well-deserved as well. I love Ron Simmons. I, I used to really enjoy watching him and WCW and running those, like I've talked about in the past on this show, running these illegal streams on <laughs> Justin TV, where we just streamed all of WCW <laughs> from beginning to end. Uh, so I've, I have That's a awesome. lot of fond memories of memories of Ron Simmons. So not that he's dead or anything, but just, just fond memories. And he definitely should also, he's a good person to give a lifetime achievement award to. And, and it's surprising Terry hasn't already gotten one. Like it did. It took them this long. No kidding. No fucking kidding. Uh, what are you gonna do? All right. Well, let's see. I think that we should definitely talk about this one. Um, because this just came out. This information of an update. Josh Alexander came back. The last pay per view for Impact. Uh, he showed up, cut a great promo before getting attacked by Honor No More on this last Impact um show uh on Thursday. Uh, but. You know, it, apparently he's doing what everyone thinks that Cody Rhodes might uh, have done. Uh, the whole thing was a work. Apparently there was a situation where because they didn't get something with the contract done on time, he had a report back before they fit, finalized it due to his work visa. But they knew it was going to happen and they kind of made it look like, is he leaving? Is he not leaving? And he was doing work in Canada for one of his like uh, family members to get some extra cash or help him out, or whatever, but he actually, that was all, it was all fixed, people. Uh, there was a good interview with him, and he also talked about how, uh, you know, he still liked to have it, and I, he knows that Kenny really wanted it, but there was supposed to be a situation where he was in the crowd for a Kenny Omega match during that whole entire Impact run, where he attacked him, but I think they shortened it due to, due to something, so he's still talking about how he wants to do that, but, uh, Josh Alexander, you bastard. You got me. I felt I felt bad when I found out you were working back in Canada, couldn't get back to the US. You're one hell of a wrestler, and I'm happy you were with Impact. I would have been happier if you went to other places, but a lot of those places are filled up with a lot of good people. So I'll still enjoy your matches and you becoming a great wrestler uh in Impact Wrestling. It gives me more of a reason to watch. Let's just put it that way. The uh replacement for NXT that I've done basically. Anyways, Chris. You hear this? You got us. I was it was a work. Hey, he got you. I said it was a work from the beginning, bud. Oh, you did, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, like I, it was weird with the visa stuff. I was like, I don't know how you don't get this guy in a contract. I think that was like legit. Like they just couldn't figure out how to do it. Um, it's impact, I guess. You know, throw more money at that company. <laughs> impact on <laughs> impact. Impact on <laughs> impact. Um, but it was great. Like his return on the pay-per-view was awesome. And uh, his promo 
uh, Thursday was great as well. Coming back into to the fold, I thought he did a really good job. I think he's fucking great, man. Like uh, when Brandon Rhodes threw his name out there on that promo, it's like, yeah, there's no way that AEW is not trying to hire this guy because he's fucking great. WWE should be trying to hire him too. He's he's really good. What's what's his like the what what is his gimmick name? It's like the walking uh, the lethal walk- weapon. No, the walking weapon. The, the walking weapon it's like dude it's so good it, it would be so much better if the impact crowd is not as shitty as they are like i'm sorry guys in the impact crowd but like they sound like a jerry springer audience or something it's terror that's the <laughs> one thing that sucks about that show it's like that crowd and i get it because they've probably just watched like 10 hours of wrestling because they record a lot of this stuff back to back to back but God, he, he's great. He's going to do big things. I'm glad he's actually staying in Impact because, like you said, this has been my replacement for NXT because NXT has been fucking brutal to watch. And it's um, about to be even more brutal with people that they're losing to go to the main roster. So, yeah, like uh, if, yeah. if Braun Breaker leaves, like I don't even <laughs> – there's no reason to tune into that show. We'll, I, we'll glad... do that next yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's – I think it's a great if you're looking for a good replacement to fill up two hours of wrestling time and you don't want to, you know, go overseas to watch something. Uh, yeah. Impact is a good replacement for NXT, especially because they've been putting out really quality ass matches and their women's division is still great. Yep. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, so should he beat Moose? Because that that uh, that match is official. And uh, Moose had a good reign, man. He's beaten a lot of people. By legitimately and not, but whatever, you know, he's Moose, kind of heelish. I think he should drop the title to Josh. I mean, he fucking fucked him over in the first place by uh, cashing in edge style on him. So I think Josh needs to be their next champion, basically. I agree with that. I think that, and he's also, especially with the storyline they're trying to tell with Bullet Club and like Honor No More, Josh Alexander does just scream like, I'm the impact guy. Which yep. is which is fine. I think that's awesome. And also shout out to uh, Eric Young, Violent by Design, getting at, getting back at me on Twitter. That was that was cool of him. And uh, he he they had a great fucking tag match against uh, Anderson and Gallows at that pay per view. They did, man. Pretty good pay per view. If you didn't get a chance to uh, check it out, the the big ones coming though. One of their bigger ones. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I, did you like the more realistic pricing of what an impact pay-per-view should be? Cause it was 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. So, that's how much yeah. it should be. If you're going to do like your, your, your in-betweeners, the ones that are smaller at 10 and then the bigger ones, like, you know, bound for glory, whatever, all those ones are 20, 25, maybe I'm okay. But give me a fucking break. Like, yeah, these, these $60, you're doing 12 pay-per-views a year for $60 in your impact. You've lost your fucking mind. That's exactly why AEW doesn't do that model because it, it I don't know. You just, people are just going to steal it at that point. Um, but impact's been great lately. And also like, I'm so excited to talk about <laughs> Motor City Machine Guns. I'm about to bust, Dane. Yeah, actually just bring that up, man, because I mean, we can kind of keep this as the uh, impact concept. Motor City Machine Guns, man. Yeah, your boy Alex Shelley lost to Jay White. Jay White's out here talking that shit, looking like a fucking... They look like geeks, by the way. The Bullet Club, all wearing the same gear. My wife's like, they just look like they're going to start breakdancing or something. <laughs> like they're breaking. <laughs> this, is our, this is my dance troupe! What? And, 
And then Alex Shelley comes out like in a suit, no shirt on. He looks like a fucking pro wrestler. And then the music, like, you know, they're they're talking shit and he's like, Oh yeah, that's cool. Chris Saban comes out, Motor City Machine Guns, let's go. They're getting those titles back. I, I'm I'm saying it right now. They're gonna beat Anderson Gallows. Be great. And also, uh, I will say that Alex Shelley did have a, a banger of a match. That that's if you if you want to spend ten dollars on a wrestling match, Alex Shelley and Jay White, that's not a bad one to spend ten dollars. And he, on, I love so. how they told the story about how he partially taught Jay White at the beginning of his career and shit like that. That's pretty cool how they worked that in there. Good seeing Alex back in Impact. I know. Hopefully he stays. He's a weird cat. Love him. Love Motor City Machine Guns. Um, he, does, he 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 beats by the beat of his own drum, right? Is that the story? Yeah, I think that just it's like at his at this point in his career, based off like watching him for the past you know five years, it just seems like when he stops enjoying it, he just stops doing it. <laughs> He's just like, no, I'm good, and leaves. <laughs> um, yep. But man. Motor City Machine Guns are out here. The Hardys are out here. We got FTR. We got the Young Bucks. We got Pride Powerful. Got Tim Boys. God, can we please get a really good American tag tournament between all of these companies? Please. Like, throw the Usos in it. If Vince is smart, he was like, I want to throw my tag teams in there as well. Like, They're going to win it, right? You can, do, you can always do a time limit draw. <laughs> <laughs> I I would love to see the Usos versus the Young Bucks. I think that's see who has the best super kick party. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm so excited. I love the motor. As everyone knows on this show, I'm a big Motor City Machine Guns fan. So when they showed up, I popped. I pop like I stood up and popped. It was one of those moments, which doesn't happen that often because we watch a whole fuckload of wrestling. But every once in a while, they'll get me. And when Saban came out, and I was like, yeah, fuck the Bullet Club. Bunch of punks. Let's go. Bitches. Oh, yeah. No, I agree, man. I love those type of moments that just make you jump out of your chair. Um, All right, well, let's talk about, like you said, with NXT. We're hearing lots of rumors, uh, lots of confirmations from major outlets uh this being wrestling or uh whatchamacallit the observer uh with two men specifically apparently gable steveson is now that and listen to this craziness man about gable he just won and they talked about this on raw but if you didn't hear it uh he just won uh his third big 10 wrestling title uh back to back to back he's already got the ncaa championship in the past uh, he's already got a gold medal. Basically, his last match, uh, I think, is either this weekend or next weekend, is going to be his last. He's leaving his shoes in the middle of the ring, and then he starts his WWE career. Based off of that, he's been training nonstop in both collegiate wrestling and do and finishing up what he wanted to finish up at college, and also training for professional wrestling uh, for everything else. So he's ready, uh, and apparently, Braun Breaker was not only at SmackDown and Raw, well, Raw he was performing at, but uh, there was a reason why he lost the title, is because they're they're bringing him up already. And he's only been wrestling, professional wrestling, for, I think they said, seven months. That's fucking crazy, just in general, how just good he is. So I guess Monday was kind of trying him out, and people didn't know him that well, because NXT's watched even less by people that fucking watched it beforehand. 
But he had them by the end of that match, I think, in the palm of his hands by his intensity. I mean, the fact that he keeps getting compared to the two biggest wrestlers of the 2000s, arguably, in John Cena and Brock Lesnar. And he has a lot of aspects of both those guys, especially when they jumped on. They were both amateur as fuck and just shot up to the top of the moon, you know, with a spaceship like it was nothing. So I am excited to see both these men. Uh, well, we'll go over some of the rumors that make a lot of sense. I do know Pete Dunn obviously uh, became, what was it, Buck as a part of Seamus' group. We'll talk more about that when we get to the unfortunate Big E news. Um, but he's there. Roderick Strong is now in the UK specifically to get some of the younger talent better at there. So uh, they're, they're, they're dwindling some of the major stars that they have left. Io Shirai is supposed to be making... Uh, her waves over into the main roster. Raquel Gonzalez after WrestleMania. Uh, I mean, who the fuck is going to be left? That is the question. <laughs> now that Dolph has to <laughs> nurture some of these young guys, who the fuck is there going to be left to watch on NXT? Uh, so, sorry, once again, I gave you a bunch of shit, but w- what do you think about all this? Uh, I think Gable Season. Uh, Gable Season, by the way, I just want to say, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time now. Amateur wrestling? Yes, yes, amateur. <laughs> I love that you call it, it's called amateur wrestling, but they go to the Olympics. That's always been a That's why life. I always call it wrestling, and it's like, what? <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be just fine in the ring. His biggest thing is every time I've seen him actually talk, it's like, that guy's not a star. Uh, whereas, like, Kurt Angle had that goofy happy-go-lucky kind of thing that made him a star like you can be the you can be the greatest athlete of all time and not be a good wrestler a professional wrestler i should say it's very different things so like if i was going to book him i would very much do what AEW is doing with hook don't have him say shit murder some people maybe give him to paul Heyman or something um, as a as a new protege to Reigns, and then built the storyline off that. But he like, as far as amateur wrestling goes, he's out here smoking people. So good for you, dude. <laughs> Please don't twist me into a knot. <laughs> um, uh, good shit. But uh, let's see. Let me let me cover the rest. Dolph, I think, is a great. I don't want to call him a gatekeeper because that kind of it's kind of shitty. But he's, he's been the also... gatekeeper for everything for a long fucking time. Man. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, like, WWE also called him a gatekeeper on a show. Uh, so him being in NXT, I, we said this, we said he should have been there years back when they actually had talent that could have really good matches with him. If they're taking away him Brock, and Bobby separately. Yeah, like if they're taking away Braun Breaker, then, you know, that sucks. Good for Braun Breaker, man. The guy's absolutely fucking incredible. He's got it. Uh, you're comp- I, I think those comparisons are pretty spot on the only thing i would say otherwise is that he's fucking better in the ring (laughs) ring than some of those comparisons he's natural as shit yeah he i I mean he got that steiner dna dude uh i can't wait until he like like john cena got better in the ring like you can watch john cena's career and he got better as a wrestler Whereas, like, Braun Breaker has, like, Kurt Angle thing. He's like, oh, yeah, this is just, like, second nature. Um, Fucking crazy. 
it's insane how fast his career came up. It just, I mean, it sucks for NXT. It definitely makes me not want to watch NXT if he's going to the main roster, but also I'm happy for Braun Breaker. It makes me want to watch whatever product he's on because I think he's, like, if you need a guy, he's, I think he's fucking great. I love he's doing the, he's throwing in the Steiner accent when he's cutting promos. His intensity's there, like you said. He's, uh, he can suplex people through the moon. <laughs> It's great. I like Braun Breaker a lot. Oh, you'll love this. So there was a story that he was talking to. Oh, I forgot which outlet, but he basically said that the advice that he was given the most out of anything, the main roster, when he was asking people on Raw, was to make sure you smile more. That's working out really well for Ronda Rousey, who should be like booked like a female Brock Lesnar fucking five years ago but you know let's have people fucking smile and shit that always works out hey finn balor smiling worked him out into going back to nxt and getting a championship there fucking stupid bullshit man they, they made ronda they made ronda like such a punk on smackdown last night that, like, that promo was terrible is terrible and then like you're like in the fans turned against it too they're like <laughs> cheering for charlotte which they're definitely not going for and it's like, well, you know what? Like, actually, as a wrestling fan, you probably should cheer for Charlotte Flair, like, in this situation. Because Ronda, they killed Ronda immediately when she came out. And she's like, you fickle fans. It's like, is she doing a heel turn? And then she's like, nah. She's just, she's, no. she's just, she doesn't understand wrestling. It just really sucks that she talks about how her idol is, like, <laughs> Roddy Piper, but doesn't get what makes Roddy Piper great. It's not. It wasn't his in-ring ability. <laughs> no, it's God, something that we'll talk about <laughs> with the two proteges of their time going against each other. Uh, with Punk and fucking MJF, not Ronda, who yeah definitely doesn't get the aspect is to talk. And honestly, the stuff written for it probably doesn't help. And the direction of go out there and smile more, be happy. It's like she can be out there being a fucking monster, but she has no rhythm in her delivery. She's memorizing lines and she just doesn't understand the concept. I've seen the movies where she acted in. She's not a natural actress. So Charlotte just, man, uh, she just kind of made her look bad when she came out there. It, It looked like someone trying compared to someone that's seasoned at it. She should have a fucking mouthpiece. What? I mean, can't can't fucking Paul Heyman just have like his own whole thing? I don't know. <sighs> so stupid. I mean, there's there there's absolutely no reason that Paul Heyman can't like couldn't be her manager as well. Like, I don't know why it this may be a Rhonda thing where she's like, I it's just me, I'm the star. It's like eh. I don't know. I didn't your, really... your persona your persona's not the star, babe. Sorry, I didn't tell you that. <laughs> but that being said, her fucking doing the hook judo toss shit, I, I see the WWE saw a hook match, and they're like, oh, Ronda, you know judo. Just start tossing people with judo throws. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's pretty good. Like, <laughs> can, her in-ring stuff, especially that Saudi match, she looked great in that. Like, I hope she wrestles in that gi all the time, honestly. I Like, that's what I would do if I was her. Like, fucking show up with a gi on, start choking people with it and shit. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I think she's better as a heel. Honestly, it's just I don't the fans pop for her and then you shit on the fans. It's kind of hard to get them back. 
especially because it's it, you're also going against Charlotte Flair. So it's it's already a weird audience with Charlotte Flair, um, where people are like, oh, I hate Charlotte, but they recognize that she's good. Um, the fans in that building did not recognize Ronda Rousey at all, though. So that thing went off like a wet fart. That's the best. That's the best way to put it. Like, uh, I don't know. I. She should just do the Brock Lesnar gimmick. Like, dude, Brock is the perfect example because Rhonda, she has a lot of similarities to Brock where she's like, I just want to live on a farm and, like, have babies and hang out with my husband and do shit. Do that. The most, it, I mean, it, the most convincing thing she does, <laughs> and she still does it, but she's now been told to fucking tamper it and smile more, is that dead stare that she does, like, I'm fucking pissed, I'm going to rip your face off. When she does that, it's convincing. She did it throughout the whole entire Royal Rumble. She looked, you know, there was obviously some sloppy stuff first time back, but her facial expressions were great. Now you're telling her to smile. She's not a smiley baby face. That's not what she's supposed to be. I think when when Paul Heyman told her, when, when he gave her the advice to smile more, he didn't actually mean, like, go out there and smile more. He meant, like, it's not the fan's fault. Don't be a shitty person. Also, like... It's okay if the fans don't like it's not it's not about you. What he said is it's not about you, it's about the fans. And I think Vince said the same thing. She took that as like, I need to go out here and just be super smiley and happy. And it's like, how did you take that out of I don't know, whatever. I'm I'm not out here trying to get into a fight with Ronda Rousey. She'd probably kick my ass. But uh yeah, Charlotte Flair in comparison looked like a wrestling superstar and Ronda Rousey looked like a geek that's the best way to put it i agree i agree well let's talk about a little bit more stuff related to raw at least and i'll set this up uh so we can get into one of our major topics and that includes stone cold steve austin what uh all right so we started off raw with a little bit of beer what what <laughs> margarita what? A Bloody Mary. What? Another beer. <laughs> <sighs> I love how he has a new beer coming out. The yeah. week that this uh, WrestleMania happens. Very smart marketing-wise by him. I'm going to have to try to figure out how to buy one of those online. Because, you know, like 20 years from now, they'd be like, you got that Stone Cold WrestleMania beer? It's worth like $4,000. You, you got Austin's really tasty beer and the rocks really tasted tasty energy drink if you guys haven't tried it, it's really good and it's not terrible for you so good stuff anyways so yeah we started off with a match well i mean we started off with a bunch of people talking but once we finally got to the match kevin owens seth rollins against rk bro against the champions chad gable and otis the alpha academy really good match almost went i want to say it went 40 minutes um and what I I find so funny is for a match that's no DQ, that's a that's a tag match. They still try to keep as much like uh, rules involved within their match as much as possible. Like they'll stay at the post, they'll go out of control. It's like the exact opposite of AW, where you have a a you know it's not a no DQ match, and then everything goes to fucking craziness and flip flops and whatever. But Match was really, really good. I love the ending. Before we get into the stuff that, that you know, goes into the uh, the part of uh, Austin and Ke- Kevin Owens and what possibly Seth Rollins might be doing, we had a quote that apparently was just 
Randy Orton wanted to grab the mic, and uh, this wasn't a promo. This wasn't supposed to something he was supposed to say. He just decided to grab the mic, and he said, I've been doing this more than 20 years now, and I have never had this much fun as I'm having right now in the ring with my partner, Riddle. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Uh, it's hard for me to use the F word. I don't have a lot of F words. And you're like, what the fuck's he talking about? He goes, but this man is my friend. Um, and uh, yeah, it looked like Riddle actually got a little choked up during that. So that was really cute. Just a man love between each other. You know, when they lose at WrestleMania and they uh, turn on each other, uh, it's going to be very interesting because that's exactly what I think is happening. But um, I think it's going to be them two, Alpha Academy and the Street Profits. Uh, there's actually been talk about they're trying to slowly get the Street Profits from each other. So I guess that works out if uh, Alpha Academy takes it back at WrestleMania. But Hey, Chris, uh, Randy's out here living his best life, and he doesn't even have the fucking world title. He's just having fun. Like, who knew that Randy Orton could have fun? Well, I should say this Randy Orton. If you're talking about 2004 or 2005, as long as you have a bunch of quaaludes somehow, a bunch of alcohol, you know, cocaine, you'll be on the same level as him. But I'm talking about right now, Randy Orton. He's having fun. You've never done quaaludes, have you? No, I have not, but as someone who has participated in the smoke, do you think that has anything to do with it? (laughs) He's like, I have a really good time with Riddle. Uh, In that interview, he said Riddle grows grows his favorite strand. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, they're such a weird couple, but it's great. I love that Randy Orton's having fun in wrestling. Um you know, I hated Orton for a long period of time just because I didn't think it was that good. But over the past, like, three years, he's really grown on me because he had, like, that really, really great fucking run. Um, and now he's doing the tag team thing with, I don't know, maybe it's like Brock Lesnar. He's older and he's like, I actually enjoy this, <laughs> uh, which I think goes a long way. But uh, they did set this up perfectly for Riddle to turn heel based on that promo. So that's a weird thing I didn't think would ever be the case. But King of Bros was great heel in Evolve. He could do that. Yeah, man. Very interesting uh, either way. But uh, Randy Orton out here living his best life and stuff, you know, just having fun. Uh, His buddy uh, or his old buddy, old teammate, old uh, person that he's beating the crap out of as well. Edge came out. We didn't get to talk about from the week before. Uh, AJ Styles answered his call, which has been rumored. Apparently, they've been trying to get this match at WrestleMania for a while. And it was confirmed. AJ came out, uh, said that he would go against Edge. And then Edge decided to beat the crap out of him, gave him three concertos. And everyone was like, no. And I'm just like, no, because the last time we fucking saw you, you were with your wife having a fun, fun match against Miz and Maurice, but whatever. It's like, some. can we just fucking have some semblance of making things make sense between when you do heel turns nowadays and anything or face turns or whatever. Uh, Edge came out and uh, he first had his music play, then he took it back and then it was just silent. And he had this weird, ominous, almost purple light kind of reflecting him in a very way that similar to The Undertaker actually uh, comes out. First words are, you think you know me. He laughed. Uh, Crowd was getting into his basically his heel promo of just talking about how he wants AJ, who's at his house recovering, to uh, have his wife not watch what he's about to say. And 
essentially kind of made it sound like he wants to end AJ's career at WrestleMania. So this become personal. Uh, I feel like there is a lot of, because these guys are getting t- towards the end of their careers. I wonder if there's partially, maybe they do something different next year, but if they want to have two to three matches similar to Taker, Shawn Michaels, you know, at the end of their careers, well, not so much Taker, but you know what I'm saying, and kind of have like two to three at WrestleMania. I'm really looking for this match. Uh, they need to put a little more substance into it. It was kind of forced, but it was it was interesting seeing Edge in this weird direction that he's going to go. He's really good when he's a heel. He's going more spooky than cocky like he used to do. So, like I said, still a different transition, but the only thing that I'm annoyed by is the fact that we just came off of him doing a fun, you know, sports entertainment, basically, angle with his wife and Ms. Maurice right before this. That's the only thing that detracts from it. But what do you think about this whole promo? Are you looking forward to seeing Edge and AJ at WrestleMania? I look forward to the match. I don't really care about the story at all because they haven't done a good job of building them either way. I think you, I think you made some great points. Like Edge just came off of like, oh, I love my wife, and like the Miz is a bad guy, and now he's mad and intense out of nowhere. And uh, also, AJ Styles is a baby face. He's a baby face because almost beat his ass. Like that's why he's a baby face. <laughs> like good point. Storyline wise, it's it's not just Edge; it's both of it. I mean, it's a good match. Like it's it's two big names. They'll have a really. If anyone's gonna get good match out of Edge, it'll it'll be um, AJ Styles. And so far, the only other person that's been able to do that is uh, Daniel Bryan and Reigns, because the rest of his matches I have not liked since he came back. It has nothing to do with Edge. Like it's just in comparison to his brethren, Christian. I would say Edge's return has been a wet fart to me in ring-wise because Christian's been out here just having bangers. Yeah, I have to agree with you, man. But, um, hey, this is the, one of the big matches they have at WrestleMania. I'm sure they'll have a great match. If there is like an assemblance of them kind of wanting to have a long-lasting feud for the end of their tail end of their careers, that's also cool, but there's been no... Not a lot of substance going into this, so that's uh, that's basically the biggest but, issue. Well, AJ signed for like what four more years. Yep, but we don't we don't know what Edge's contract looks like. Um, I don't know. He may be gone after. Like, well, I, it's it's weird. Do you think that there would be a possibility if they have a great match? Everyone talks about, which is a good possibility that can kind of outweigh and set up for them to have more stuff going forward. Um, what if Edge wants to eventually pick AJ as the guy to retire him? You know, and it's kind of an opposite, but like similar in the fact that Edge is playing the darker character who's a heel, while AJ is the high-flying baby face. Well, I guess Sean and Taker are both baby faces, but you know what I'm saying. Like, they still, it seems like they're trying to kind of also have like, Edge is ominous. Like, no, he's not. He's never been ominous. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I'll go with it if that's what he wants to do, you know? Yeah, as long as I don't have to hear these promos where he just screams really loud. And that's like, he's a bad guy now because he yells a lot. I don't I don't know when that started happening with Edge, but um, yeah, I, I, AJ Styles is a good person to retire anyone. <laughs> he's great in the ring. I mean, but 
like at the same point. I like, want him to retire whenever, Ray. Whenever Ray's, whenever Ray wants to finish in the next couple of years, I want AJ to go against him for his retirement match. I think Ray would want his kid to retire him though, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but like outside of that, like you're trying, you're supposed to be trying to build new stars. So it's something like if you're gonna have someone retire Edge, where's your new Randy Orton at? Where's the 24 year old legend kicking, stomping guy? Is that Braun Breaker? Maybe he's the guy. Who's the guy you put over? If you're gonna take out someone like Edge, like a legend, it, it needs to be. It, it can't be AJ Styles because he's like he's been around almost the same amount of time as Edge in the wrestling business. So it's yeah, it's like, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, it's like yeah, he, the whole point is like you're supposed to be building new stuff that's that's what you decided you were going to do so as a company they decided like hey we're going to go hire a bunch of people that don't necessarily like wrestling but are athletic all right well show us like give us give us the guy who's the guy that's going to retire him which is going to be funny because it probably will be braun breaker who is from wrestling lineage and does like wrestling (laughs) just opposite of what they were going for exactly all right um what should we talk about next? Oh, well, we'll we'll end it to the the two things. What's going on with Seth Rollins, and what is going on with Kevin Owens at WrestleMania? Seth was distraught. Kevin Owens also distraught after losing, and their chances of having WrestleMania matches just burst into flames. Chris, on Monday Night Raw, Seth wouldn't even talk at all. We'll go into his rumored thing to be happening, and then we'll go into the big one that I've been, you know, saving. Uh, Seth, not says a word. He is definitely more positioned as a heel as of lately and has been for a while. I don't know how this will work, but the rumor is if Cody (laughs) didn't sign on again with AEW and uh, maybe he's going to run Ring of Honor or all the other rumors out there is actually... No, they finalized his deal in WWE, and he's positioned against Seth Rollins for WrestleMania. Do you think that Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes would be a good match for WrestleMania? And do you think that the audience is going to, you know, just completely embrace Cody Rhodes as a babyface against a heel Seth Rollins? Or can we accidentally see a double turn? Or we had an idea that was a good good idea last night, so I'll, I'll, I'll bring that up again. But, uh... What what do you think about this proposed concept, Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania? I think Cody has somehow worked the WWE and is just going to re-sign with AEW. Like, he has drugged these contracts, he's drugging his feet on it. And at first, my friend Lou, right after this happened, he was like, this is a work, this is all a work. Cody's just going to end up going back there. And then they buy a Ring of Honor, and you're like... If he just wants to be a creative mind, which Cody's talked about wanting to do... You could put him in charge of Ring of Honor. You could give him that little, like, kind of like a Triple H kind of thing, which is funny. Um, His own little project and have him still be Cody Rhodes and do Cody Rhodes shit. But I I do feel like WWE's fuck. If he doesn't show up on Monday in Jacksonville, he's not going to be at WrestleMania. Um, So I guess we will see. It just sucks for Seth because they have nothing else for him to do. (laughs) <laughs> like, because they, they well, obviously that in. Well, okay. So let's let's pretend that this is not a work. 
and that Cody actually does sign and comes out next Monday. Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. Do you think that will be a good match at WrestleMania? And who will be the babyface and heel in the perception of the audience? Uh, I think Seth is going to be the babyface because I, I feel like fans are not going to have the reaction to Cody that they expect because the diehard WWE fans that... I mean, he created a company to try to kill WWE to some extent. He should come in as a heel. And it, like I said, I think it was like a couple weeks ago on the podcast. If, if, I, if I was bringing Cody Rhodes in, I would bring him in as a heel and I would fucking give him Triple H as a manager. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> and also, like, Triple H is, would be a great if there's nothing, if he's not doing anything, hopefully he's healthy. We haven't heard anything. He might be dead. McMahon might have him in a basement somewhere. Because that's the last like, last time we heard about Triple H, he was having heart problems. So I'm not joking about that, but like we have heard nothing else. They took his product, they changed it, they made it suck. Um, if you're gonna give Triple H something to do at Mania, because you kind of want Triple H on Mania, like him and Cody would probably be like a little a good little crew. Um, at this point, Rollins would probably be a pretty decent baby face. I'm done with the Joker laugh shit, so. Well, you set me back up perfectly for the idea I had, which I don't think will happen. But if we do have some participation from uh, Mr. Hunter Hearst Helmsley, we haven't seen Triple H in a, in a very long time. We know all about his heart events. But we're just going to pretend or cardiac events. It's it's the marketing tool of WWE to call a, a cardiac event a heart attack. Whatever. Um but you had this match with Cody and Seth. Seth goes in as the proposed heel. Cody is trying to be the baby face. And you have the match. And at one part, you have a ref bump, um, like normally. And Triple H comes out. And he's looking to help out Seth Rollins, who's down because of Cody. And you have this determination on his face. We haven't seen Triple H in a long time. He's got his hammer. And he comes in. And before he knocks Cody, he takes his hammer and just bashes uh, Seth in the face, hits him a couple more times, and helps Cody get the win. And then after that, you have a completely heel turn Cody with Triple H, and you kind of mock up the relationship between the two of them, like Triple H had with Rick previous before this, a little bit of a mentorship. And uh, yeah, I think that would be very interesting. If not, go back to AEW. Yeah, that, I mean, that's definitely the way it would go, especially if you're building in the storyline with Seth because you have the backstory of him and Triple H and their feud and, and the fact that Triple H kind of carried him through his title run until, you know, Seth snapped. And you, you have that big moment where you got Hill Seth doing his weird Joker laugh and shit. Triple H comes out and you're like, oh, no, babyface Cody's about to get murdered. And you do the... I, I don't even know if it would be a double turn because Cody would be debuting, but I think that is a, that's what I would do, but I don't think that's happening at all. I think Cody is just going to, at this point, if they don't have that deal done, like I said, if he doesn't show up on Monday, he's not going to be ready for mania. So it'd be the show after mania, which is kind of fucking pointless. Um, if, if he doesn't show up on Monday, I, I think he's just going to be doing some Ring of Honor shift for AEW, which is hilarious. And if that's the case, it's one of the greatest works of all time. Like in wrestling, it's it's it, it would be fucking baffling that he had this company trying to give him significant amounts of money. 
and yeah, no blew up their entire WrestleMania schedule of what they were trying to do. Uh, because otherwise, like what happens is he signs like a you know a crazy you know, a, contract and he shows up in Jacksonville uh, on Monday because they're in Jacksonville. You know, we'll turn of the knife by Vince to AW, but I guess we we will know on Monday because I if he didn't sign by Monday, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, it's kind of like all right. So if Cody does come out, uh, this just makes. I want to bring this up just in case I forget about it uh, with the pay-per-view. Um, Jacksonville is associated with AEW, obviously. So if Cody shows up, he might get a different reaction, I guess, based in a pop and a baby. Well, I don't know. Actually, the AEW audience doesn't like him either. They're just going to be interesting him in front of Jacksonville. Like it was interesting when Adam Cole went against Adam uh, Page and was getting such a reaction for the audience. And I'm like, like, I mean, I, I didn't get it at first, and I realized, oh, they're in fucking Orlando. Like, he's built up a fan base specifically in there when he was in NXT, so that's crazy. They're in Jacksonville on Monday. I do actually, if Cody is going to be there, I would expect him to come out then and have some type of interaction with Seth. But, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to the biggest thing that happened based off of Raw, Chris. So at the end of it, Kevin Owens. I mean, well, well, well. Real quick before we move into that, if Cody's coming out on Monday, let's let's just say that's happening. Let him actually cut a promo. Don't try to fucking write it. Like let him give the reasons of why he left AEW and wanted to come back. Um, whether you're going to turn him heel later or not, that's that's where the pop is. Is like his reasoning and uh, all all that shit. I think like Cody's a great promo. The, the thing that worries me about Cody and AEW, the one thing that Cody does better than anything else is cutting really good babyface promos. So if they just give him a fucking script and send him out to the ring, it's going to be tragic. But if he works with a scriptwriter, he already pre-writes his stuff and memorizes it anyways. So it's not going to be too much different. You, you know what I'm saying? Like. It's not like any of the stuff was coming off the top of his head. He kind of he admitted on Road to the Top he would actually write out a promo, memorize it, and then come and recite it. So it's like he's still but doing the same thing. But it's different because he's writing it. You know what I mean? Like if he comes in and someone else has already got something pre-cam written for him that he has to go through like six processes to get changed. It's not. It's not gonna. I mean, like. That's like, you know, Andre 3000 is not like a great freestylist as as no. far as I go. But like, if you gave him someone else's shit, it would sound terrible. But he does write his own stuff. And I think that's the same thing with Cody. Like, Cody writes his own shit. And yeah, he does spend a lot of time writing the promos. Uh, but like WWE, they're the kings of, hey, here's this thing. Let's change it six times. Like Moxley talked about. It's, it's not just him. It's, it's multiple wrestlers that have talked about it. They only give lee- leeway to people like, uh, you know, Kevin Owens, I think, is one they give leeway to. AJ Styles. Um, there's very few, and they're definitely not going to give it to Cody coming in. So that that's my only worry is, like, he's going to get the big pop. He comes out to whatever music. Uh, and people are like, oh shit, that's Cody Rhodes, that's dope. But if he gets in the ring and they give him like the Ronda Rousey speech, like she had after Rumble, it's just gonna be bad. Yeah, that's a good point. 
All right. Well, the biggest thing that happened, Kevin Owens came out. And this is the thing that we're going to kind of break down is, is, is what they're going for exactly. But Kevin Owens basically said that after all this him, you know, downing Texas and and whatnot um, and just talking how bad it is that he does have something he knows that he can do at WrestleMania. And he calls out someone to be at what could be a Kevin Owens show, uh, basically calling out for a fight and then points it to what we know is a guy that not only has kind of mentored, at least through text messages throughout his career and, and likes him, but, you know, he uses a stunner. But Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, and Monday we got a, a reaction on pretty much every social media platform and was shown on SmackDown last night of Austin uh, driving into the desert, getting out. And, I mean, I had chills, I got to admit. I know it's just a Kevin Owens show right now. I think your idea is what's going to inevitably happen. But having Austin just cut a promo and saying that, you know, 19 years ago, I lost three rock bottoms, one, two, three, and I was done. And saying, thank you, Kevin Owens, because you have waking a demon inside of me I didn't know was still there. Uh, you can call it a fight. You can call it a brawl. You can call it the KO show. You can call it a match and call it whatever you will. At WrestleMania, I will be there. And I will. Uh, he also called him a mealy mouth bastard. I haven't heard that in a long time. Uh, and I will, you know, drop a can of whoop ass on you. And he said, and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. I've gotten so used to Stone Cold outside of Stone Cold's Steve Austin, the persona. I'm used to him interviewing, smiling, being on random YouTube videos, trying women's cocktails and saying how terrible they are. It was so good seeing Austin <laughs> be Austin and just have that badassness back. He looks fucking great. I think that you are right, Chris. You've said this for a while. If Austin and him have a Kevin Owens show one night, they get in a fight, and Austin's like, tomorrow night I'm going to whoop your ass, me and you, let's go. I think that's actually a strategic, smart move for WWE to do if if they set it up. Now, we know that, based on something that Jim Ross said, you know, when they first were trying to get this done with Stone Cold, he, he wasn't really too... Uh, Keen on it, you know, him coming back 19 years later, that's a big deal to him. And we thought that they had it, and apparently it's not 100%. I don't know if, if they're just trying to throw off the scent completely with this, and they're just going to have a fucking match. But I hope it is more than just an interaction. I want to see these guys go at it. Um, God, I will suck if there's nothing else besides a Kevin Owens show. I'll just admit it right now. Kevin Owens out there running his little Millie bastard mouth. What? Um, <laughs> I love Stone Cold so much. I'm so excited for this. And this, I could be wrong, but the entire time I was like, it, yeah, imagine if you had to buy one WrestleMania show and you have to pick like which one Kevin's on, right? Uh, not for people watching at home, but people that are going to the live event. I've always thought it was going to be two nights. Um, yeah, I'm assuming night one, they do the KO show. And uh, I think Kevin Owens will probably get the better Austin there, which will set up a match. I think he's going to have one match. There's no way. Like, he just watched Jericho and Sting do some of <laughs> like the craziest shit in their careers. 
on that like the last couple of weeks and you you know if you're stone cold steve austin and kevin owens has got to be goading him he's like come on dude we, we got it we can do that we can we can do something like that um it's amazing that kevin owens is the guy especially if you've ever heard did you ever hear the kevin owens um podcast with stone cold from like yeah that's like five years ago at this point I love it where uh, he teaches them how to do a stutter the proper way. And he's like, you got to understand the cravat within it when you grab his neck and you come down at a complete angle. Uh, awesome. yeah, that, that, that's great. But it, like, I, was, I was more talking about where uh, Kevin Owens met him in an airport and was asking him like questions and stuff. And it's like, it, this thing has been building for years. And uh, you know CM Punk is somewhere seething if Kevin Owens gets this match. He's like, God damn it. <laughs> he almost did. He, almost he got, got, he got fight really close. Coach, too. God damn. Uh, but uh, I, I like but, this. Uh, this, was, this was from um, a couple days ago. Chris Jericho was on the Kurt Angle show, and they were talking back and forth about this concept. And Jericho said, KO is the best guy for the job. He's one of the only guys for the job because, uh, first of all, if Steve does come back he's going to look like a killer he's going to be so big and jacked up he's not going to come back and just be there wearing a shirt and shorts he always told me if i go back i don't want to be the back um i don't want to go back as anything less than what i was before if i go back there's going to be so much training going on and he's had a fucking remember he's had a ring at his house since august that i don't want to come back just for one you look at the guys on the roster, he's not going to work with Brock because he doesn't need to get dumped on his head. Nobody wants to see that. He's not going to work with Goldberg because you don't want to put those two guys at the same generation out there at their age. It would never work uh, with other guys. But he basically put him over or put over Kevin Owens just in general and said that it makes the most sense. You know, like it's not going to work with any most of the guys just in general. Even Roman Reigns, he, he mentioned, it makes sense with Kevin Owens and also everyone else says. If fucking Steve Austin is going to ring with someone, he's going to pick someone that he wants to go in the ring with, and Kevin Owens would be that guy. So uh, I hope this, like I said, is a match. And I hope that it's something that Austin can be proud of. 19 years later, competing in Texas and having one more match and saying, hell yeah, that's me. And saying, that's it, until Vince is like, hey, we're going to Saudi Arabia. You want to fight Goldberg? I'll pay you six bazillion dollars. <laughs> six bazillion. That's probably a fair amount. <laughs> to, get, to get Austin to Saudi Arabia, that's probably the amount it would take. Six bazillion dollars. Um, yeah, so Jericho listened to our podcast from two weeks ago. <laughs> Basically. Fucker. He's out here stealing our swag, dude. Fight me in IRL, Jericho. I got you. Um, no, I'm kidding. But when you look at that roster, it, there are like there's three people you could put Austin against. Kevin Owens makes the absolute most sense. Um, I would say you could do Sami Zayn and then maybe uh, like AJ Styles. Yeah, and that's it. Um, and they already had Sami Zayn locked up into something. So it was either him or AJ. And AJ is going to be with Edge. So it made the most sense. And also, Kevin Owens fucking loves Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's probably the one that's been pus pushing for this. And it's probably a big reason of why he signed the re signed that contract. 
Um, he's always talked about how Austin's his favorite wrestler of all time, which is kind of crazy because like you would think like in this day and time with all these younger the younger generation of wrestlers, they talk about their favorite wrestlers. They always say Sean and Brett, but there's never someone that's like Austin, like Stone Cold, which is crazy because he was one of the biggest fucking wrestlers of all time. And when he was a stunning Steve in WCW, like he was just as good as Brett in the ring. Like I, I don't, I don't get like why that's a thing. Stone, like Kevin Owens is like one of the only ones. It's like yeah, Steve Austin, my favorite. Like him and CM Punk are like the few that I can think of off the top of my head when they talk about people that inspire them and and make them want to wrestle. And it's also crazy because Kevin Owens doesn't wrestle at all like Stone Cold, except for his brawling stuff. <laughs> but uh, and that's he, whole thing. he's perfect. I hope we see Go them ahead. brawl into the crowd, is what I was going to say. Just beat the shit out of each other everywhere. Yeah. I, I think Kevin's going to hit him with a pop-up power bomb through a piece of the KO set, night one, and then that sets up a match. And uh, I think it'll, it'll be a no-DQ Texas bunkhouse brawl, or they'll do something. And... If you need a guy that's going to do everything for you, it's Kevin Owens. Like, he's going to take every bump you could think of, um, especially because it's Stone Cold. Like, that, he is the guy to do that. And, and we talked about, like I said, like, listeners out there, if you haven't heard that show, go back and talk about it. Or listen to it, I should say. Um, yeah, like, he's going to take every bump Stone Cold could ever want him to take. And Stone Cold only needs was the five moves of doom. <laughs> it's what people always associate John Cena with. That's any. That's that's all you want to see Stone Cold do. You want to hear him hit. You want to see him hit that Luthez press. You want to hear him do the birds and the like uh, forearm drop on the head. You want to see him stomp a mud hole in the corner. Um, and second rope. I mean that's yeah second Elbow rope drop. and then yeah and then the stunner. That's all Stone Cold needs to do. And if you had to pick someone to do that. And make it into a match. Kevin Owens is fucking perfect. He's like, I'll make all your shit work. Kevin Owens is one of the greatest wrestlers of this generation. And he's not going to get the love because he's not in Japan. Like, he's not going to get 40-minute matches. It's just not going to happen. But if you go back and watch his Ring of Honor shit, which a lot of people are going to do (laughs) once that streaming service becomes available... Uh, he he's just so great, and the fact that he—I mean, him and Samoa Joe are are so impressive size, weight wise, and the way they're able to move in the ring and have good matches with anyone. They're like top tier on my list of like uh, wrestlers. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, KO should uh, if, if if they have a match, they should have a extremely interesting, entertaining, whatever. Uh, like I said, I just I will, even though I'll enjoy it, I will be a little bit disappointed if it's not an actual match. But uh, let's continue. Let's, uh, I guess, well, we should do this before we start going over AEW stuff. Uh, last night on SmackDown, another big thing before that. Nowhere near this because this is obviously I'm hoping everything's OK with Big E, basically. But also that happened on SmackDown. We had Roman not there. Brock almost killed like five people that were quote unquote security guards like through one, not even at the fucking table or through the table, like over the motherfucker into the wall, smash one guy. He made like, a, <laughs> Oh, 
And Brock looks concerned, looks behind him, and then kicks the other guy on the floor and keeps on running after Paul Heyman. So Paul, Brock Lesnar going to be Brock Lesnar, basically. I was going to say, there's like, it's like the last security guard he hits, he throws him, and he does like the Randy Orton look. <laughs> Where Randy Orton was like, whoops, when he launched that guy from a god. Um, uh, who was that champion we hated so much? Um, Mm. Remember you backdrop that guy and he gave him the weird look. I'm trying to this. It's, oh, the Singh brothers, Singh. Uh, Jinder Mahal. Yeah, the Singh brothers. Yeah, Jinder Mahal. He like he gave the same look that like Orton did. <laughs> he looked back. He's like, oh shit. And he's like, he's like, I gotta go. Fucking Paul Heyman's driving, but he definitely looked back and was like, oh god, I hope I didn't hurt that guy. And he went to kick him, and then he was like, I can't kick that guy. I'll have to kick the other guy. So he hit him in the fucking stomach. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Like that, that <laughs> it was very much just the Randy Orton look. That's forever in my mind is always going to be the when you do something on accident is the Randy Orton oops when he backdropped the guy to yard. And that's exactly what happened with Brock here. He's like all through that got too hard into the barricade. Oops. Oh, I got to run. Jesus. Also, Brock chasing Paul Heyman. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about top tier tv shit paul right paul Heyman running in general is already a thing i loved it because i feel like i feel like when he started running he did what the uh scooby gang does like when they're about to start running he's like just and then like you know scurried out of there brock's running at full fucking speed about to catch up to him like that just just good stuff and then a big thing that also happened with uh now it's whatever at this point usos are going against Nakamura and uh, Rick Boogs for the titles at WrestleMania. If that wasn't hot shot, I don't know what the fuck is, Chris. Bro, they they stopped the show to show me a Toyota commercial with Nakamura. Did you see this? No. Okay, so they're setting up this match, and then they pause it, and they go to commercial or whatever, and the commercial is Rick Boogs and Nakamura surfing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I see that commercial. (laughs) Hey, I guess they're popular. Right, There's no one else. Uh, it looked like the New Day was going to be involved in something completely different, so I get where they were going, but... Uh, I mean, it's like, well, we don't have Nakamura on there, and people like Boogs, they'll be them. Okay, well, I guess that's what we're doing. They're going to lose to the fucking Usos at WrestleMania. They'll probably have a fun I match. Kinda, I feel kind of bad for Nakamura, because any other co- wrestling company would let him go do like the anniversary show they're having in Japan. But yeah. not, not WWE. He's like, I would love to go back. To I think Japan. any They're other like, company, how about a Toyota commercial? <laughs> I think any other fucking company would let him do whatever the fuck he wants to do too, and not just be completely disintegrated into the background of uh, WWE. But whatever. Uh, the biggest thing that happened though, Chris, the thing that kind of scared us all, we now know that Pete Dunne's going to be Buck Bruiser or just Buck. Or Buck, I forgot what the fuck it was. I don't have a problem with them putting him with Rich Holland and and Sheamus, but Buck? I mean, I, I have a problem with Rich Holland dumping Big E on his head. But well, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like a little bruiser gang, like foreign bruiser gang, that's fine. I don't know why you need to change his name, though. Like... Uh, they've wasted Pete Dunn. He could have been a huge deal. 
but at this point, it's like in the realm of WWE, they fucked him to oblivion. It's like Ricochet. It's like, oh, but like he's got the title now. And it's like, yeah, but he's like a geek. Um, yep. They've kind of done the same thing with. Well, they, they did protect Pete Dunn a lot, but like once he gets to the main roster now, because you never gave him, you never really put him in any memorable spots in NXT. Like he never had held the NXT championship. Like, yeah, he had this long streak as the NXT UK champion. Um, but then Walter beat know. that record, and then Ilya Dragunov beat that record. So it's like, well, eh, at least you were yeah, the first one who held it for a long time. Yeah, and the last couple of matches he had, he just got his ass with. And then he was with Pat McAfee, and they had that little faction, and then that thing dissolved. It's like, dude, how can you not figure out how to... If Pete Dunne went to Impact, <laughs> he would be, like, one of the best people on the roster. Could you imagine him versus Josh Alexander in the main event? Oh, like, yeah. It'd be sick. Uh, yeah, I... I I I don't know the name. He's still in his twenties, man. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. He's still in his twenties. <laughs> That's probably what he's saying as he looks at the contract. He's like, I'm still in my twenties. Like I got, got some good years left. But um, uh, yeah, the the biggest thing, man. So Ridge Holland has a spot where he's supposed to belly to belly. Biggie, Biggie goes up way too light. Ridge definitely. Is an experience compared to the rest of the wrestlers, uh, including Pete, that are fucking there, and pulls him up way too hard. And when he drives him down, Biggie just falls right the fuck on his head. Uh, they rushed him to the back, uh, the you know the the unit, um, and he, after basically surgery and had a neck brace on, said that uh, he suffered a broken neck. And he wanted all of us to not worry about him. He showed that he could move his fingers and everything. So, of course, Biggie's such a such a badass that he's more worried about us than he is about himself. Or at least in this selfless video, that's what he did. But um, still fucking scary. I'm not calling for Ridge Holland's job. Fucking this type of shit happens. I know that a lot of people are like, well, Drew did the same thing on the fucking ramp right afterwards. And it's like, yeah, but this is a, this is a concept of experience. Ridge Holland... Honestly, should not have left NXT when he did. Fucking, I'm sure Vince Somm was like, he's got a great physique. And just put him with Sheamus. And, hey, if you want to, I'm, I'm, just to say, it's like, would that be like saying that Oni Lorcan, because of the way, that the momentum that he fucking dove into Ridge's arms when he broke his leg, that Oni should have been, you know, this wrestling shit happens. I've seen a lot of people wanting him to be punished or whatever. I think... I don't think Biggie would want that, man. I, I think that it's a shitty situation. I hope this doesn't take out Biggie. Obviously, what they were planning on doing at WrestleMania was Xavier Woods was going to return probably next week. It was going to be the New Day versus these three, and probably, I'm assuming, some type of hardcore match, three-on-three match at WrestleMania. I don't think that's going to happen. And honestly, if you still want to do something, you put Pete Dunne with Sheamus against Xavier and Kofi or just do Kofi against Sheamus, I would basically penalize in a way Rich Holland because he did fuck up to some extent and not have more mania. So I'm sure he feels terrible. You could tell like him and Pete were both like, oh fuck, as soon as he hit the ground. So it was uh it was scary, man. Real scary. Yeah, it was a scary spot. I mean, if you watch the Revolution pay-per-view listeners out there, Jericho had a similar spot with Eddie Kingston. 
And I think that just, I, I've had a little bit of wrestling training and what I'm going to have to assume with Ridge Holland is that he's used to picking people up heavy and yep. Big E is a great worker and he just went up super light and Ridge Holland yeeted it because <laughs> he thought he was going to have to pick that big fucker up. He dropped him on his head. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. And I, Eddie Kingston did the same thing with Jericho. Jericho went up light as a feather at the beginning of that match. And he just dropped him straight on his fucking head. Like that first suplex thought, which good for them because they did build it into a story, et cetera. But it was a very scary moment. Um, I did hear that uh, both Rich Tolland and Seamus went to the hospital that Biggie was in. And he uh, Biggie fractured his C4 and C6 Ugh. on his back. So, I guess uh, they already have a match set up for the New Day. So, I'm assuming it's going to be Xavier Woods, I guess, is going to have to come out of whatever injury he has. Yeah, I think it'd be as bad as a broken back, basically, a fractured back. I think they were setting up with Pete Dunne joining them. I think they were setting up a three on three with Xavier coming back. But now, like I said, if you still want to do a tab match, Xavier and Kofi versus Sheamus and Pete Dunne. Sorry, Ridge. Hate to penalize you, but dude, I mean, this is that you caused this inevitably. So Pete shouldn't fucking have to suffer because of that. He's got way more experience in the ring. I would rather see the two of them go against the two of them. But the concept of the three on three, that would have been a fun match. It just sucks. And I'm glad that from what Big E's saying, he's okay. I just, you know, speedy recovery, obviously. Yeah, and I, and we're not. I, I don't want to take anything away from Rich Holland because I think that he still has a lot of potential, and he's not bad in the ring or anything. It's just I think it's just one of those unfortunate circumstances in which he should have probably stayed in the next longer, right? Because like what he got injured, and then they pushed him to the main roster. Hey, I'm like he I'll just that say this and broke his leg. And they were like, all right, you're ready for the main roster when he came back. That's on the company, not on him necessarily. I know he's a natural. I think Braun Breaker is going to do great. But Braun, due to inexperience, could do something like this because of not knowing shit like that, too. I mean, this could happen to anyone. Sometimes you keep them there and season them and don't go, they got a great physique. They're ready. And just take them and put them on the fucking main roster when they're not. So I don't know. I'm still kind of out on the jury of. Should Braun leave NXT right the fuck now when he's only been in wrestling for seven months? I think the difference is they gave Braun Breaker a bunch of great wrestlers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had Ciampa. You know, like Ciampa was his testing piece and he did fine. I really do think that was the case, though. Like Rich Holland's probably used to just picking dudes up and oh, yeah. throwing them as hard as possible. And then Big E just like, oh, I'm going to help you out. And it's just a miscommunication. <laughs> like, he just, he threw him too hard. And Big E's like, I can't rotate. I'm a big dude. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just unfortunate. It sucks. And actually, Big E's entire run for the past year has kind of just been unfortunate. I love Big E. Get healthy, Big E. We're sending you big loves from Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And uh, I hope he, I hope he gets another title run at some point. He's he's just such he's, a cool he's dude. A he's cool great dude. promo. He moves well in the ring, and he I don't know. He just comes off like a very nice guy, like a guy you would definitely have a beer with and talk about video games with big men slapping me. Big men. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. 
Well, let's uh, let's move on, and this is going to be a wrap up of the pay per view, mixed in with what happened on Dynamite um, as a follow up, and uh, go to the pre show. We're talking about AEW Revolution from this last weekend. Uh, Layla Hirsch went against Chris Statlander uh, on the first match. They had a ten minute match, and Layla ended up winning, uh, doing some skeezy shit, which I believe Red Velvet came out afterwards. Uh, to set up her next match. She got the number one contender from this to go against who used to be the number one contender who loses a champion but gets another sh- chance to go against the number one contender to get a championship match in her hometown. Okay, what the fuck ever. Anyways, let's keep on going. Hook won against QT Marshall. I, I will say that was a good setup, though, because they're leading to a cage match to keep people out of the Thunder Rosa match. So they had to do something and, and well and no no I no I don't have a problem with that. Why would Layla Hirsch have a number one contender match for the title on this pay-per-view if you're gonna let a person that lost to the champion go against her again and get a chance to go back against her. Like that's going around your ass into your fucking elbow booking. Like that makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't think they thought that through um very but i mean hey we got two good matches out of it um my nieces i I got i do have commentary from my nieces on this match i was like who do you want to win this match and valley was like i don't i honestly don't care (laughs) that was her feeling on statlander and layla hirsch so they're not over to her basically no She's like, these are geeks. Where's Britt Baker? Where's Thunder Rosa? Where's, uh, yeah, she was not impressed. So uh, in less than five minutes, Hook defeated QT Marshall by submission and just beat the crap out of him and got a great reaction from the crowd. Um, these are both good matches for the pre-show. The next match I thought should have been on the, the main, um, on the main matches. I don't know what you take out. To, to swap with it, but maybe I'll figure that out while we go through it. But how'd you like uh, Hook? Our man Hook. Bring Hook. Beating up QT Marshall. Sent Hook. He, he was great, man. Like, I love the judo throw stuff he does. And I, I like, like, he goes into a normal wrist lock and he throws it into a judo move, which we've seen MMA stuff before in wrestling. And we've seen kind of this in the past. But he, like, I don't know, he does a good job of working it into the match. And they did that in Saudi Arabia with uh, with Ronda. Like, they saw Hook do this, and they were like, ah, well, Ronda should do that. She's, like, Olympic athlete <laughs> in judo. But, yeah, like, I don't know. He's got something working. Crowd loves him. QT oh, and, got smashed. And you got to give, even though I think I see him on television too much, QT, when it comes to being a trainer and a good just entering wrestler, made his protege look really good. And I'm sure he was trying to go out of his way to do that. So, you know, I, him I and Taz taught this kid. Yeah, I hate QT Marshall as a character, and we've definitely buried that into the ground on this podcast. But him as like an in-ring hand and being like the job guy, which is kind of what he is. He's just kind of the jobber. He's basically like Sean Spears. <laughs> <laughs> it's true yeah, like Shotsu. uh no i was thinking of like i was gonna go even deeper like uh the was the brooklyn brawler he's like the brooklyn brawler like yeah. go there have a good match it's fine uh so i had Steven, no problem uh, with this and hook, hook looked like Steve a Lombardi. Bucks. 
I, I can't wait until the breakdown of where Hook is tired of not having the FTW title and you get that Ricky Starks Hook match, which everybody wants. It'll be really good. He just comes out. He goes, hey, Ricky, I want that title. And he just puts the mic down. He said, what? And you just let Ricky just keep on rolling it with his fucking mouth. That shit would be awesome. Yeah, he's like, hey, I want that title. And then he offers him a Dorito. He's like, here's some chips. <laughs> My nieces are not, they, they think Hook is really cute. And they think he's good wrestling-wise. This is what they said. But it's like, he doesn't talk or anything. I was like, yeah, but he got chips and does suplexes. That's all he needs. I love his gimmick is basically the 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 guy from Fast and the Furious 3 that's just always eating chips. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, you know, eventually he needs to borrow a little intensity from his father who looks sometimes like he's going to blow a fucking gasket when he's talking. Try to borrow uh, some ideas. But right now I like the calm demeanor of him. He just he just has that coolness factor to him that a lot not a lot of wrestlers have. Um, it's, it's like it's like that plus his intro music like he comes out to action bronson like he looks like yeah. a guy that just smoked a bunch of weed <laughs> absolutely uh right before he comes out he comes out to action bronson and he starts suplexing motherfuckers it's great like i i like hook a lot i that guy's got to be especially because he doesn't have to be good at the mic because he has his dad right mm-hmm so it's I don't know he's he's gonna be great. This was a fun it was a fun match. If you want to see someone get tossed around, QT did a very good job of getting fucking judo tossed. Yep, I agree. Well, we had another um, like I said, this was a really good match. I'm surprised it was on the pre-show, but uh, Malachi Black, Brody King, Buddy Matthews, House of Black going against Pac, Penta Oscuro, and Eric Redbeard with Alex Abrahantes in their corner. Um, dude, I, I mean, it's not like he's done a lot, but Eric Redbeard, not only as a big man being able to do decently in the ring offensively, but taking bumps the way he was like, I thought that, uh, I thought Eric was pretty good. Apparently he just doesn't want to sign like a long-term contract with anyone, which I find crazy if that's the case, because I guess they don't. They have fucking so many goddamn people, anyways. But you know that Tony would be like, "I want an Eric Redbeard toy." So it's not about that. But um, it, it was good having him a part of this match, even though it was on the pre-show. I love Penta as Pentagon Dark, basically. Um, Pox great. Him and Buddy were great in the ring together. Everyone did a really good job. I thought this was a lot of fun. They gave him 17 minutes and 20 seconds. How'd you like this match, Chris? I thought it was a great match. They should have replaced the Jade Cargill match on the pay-per-view and put this on instead. Yeah. Um, Red Eric Redbeard. Sorry, that's it's weird calling him that. Came out to cattle de- decapitation. I was like, oh, I forgot about that band. <laughs> so I love that he's still out here just doing the deep cuts of the most metal shit you can do, which was pretty fun. Um, and also he did a really great job of slowing these guys down because everyone involved with this match, they, they get too fast and he did the WWE thing. He's like, no dog, let's like slow it down, (laughs) do a chin lock right here. Um, I love the build off the match. I I actually liked that. They gave a reason why Eric Redbeard wasn't going to be on dynamite by poking his eye out and spitting the mist into it. I thought that was good. And, uh, Pac is like the best wrestler on the entire planet. It's Brian Danielson said that. 
he's right. And then I like he said that. And then I started looking at Pac again, like deep. And I was like, man, everything he does is so calculated and so precise. It's it's fucking ridiculous. And he was in this match. And that preciseness and the finesse that he has, he equates that with submission work that's good and fucking aerial work that's good. Nothing that he does is bad, and he does everything. Fucking crazy. Great heel, great baby face. It's and he's even pulled off as Neville, the fucking super baby face. He's done he he's just a very versatile wrestler in general, all around. He and he can work with anyone. Like he had really good matches with Enzo. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, and that's not taking anything away. Enzo's just a very different wrestler. Enzo's not the guy that's going to give you a five star match. He's an entertainer more than a wrestler. But like, him and the bastard had great fucking matches. Uh, yeah, he's he is kind of insane. But yeah, the match was really good. I think this should have been on the actual pay per view and not on the buy. There's other things I would remove. Like I said, the Jade Cargill match was kind of a clusterfuck. Um. It's Actually, really not the on her. Match was a clusterfuck the uh, women's title match. Yeah, especially in comparison. Yeah, the fuck finish shit they were doing, but they're setting up for like a cage match on TV. So I, I yep. get it, but it also was. I mean, when you win match of the year and this is the follow up match, it's kind of like, oh, that sucked. <laughs> so we'll see if we see Eric Redbird, Redbeard, anytime in the future, but. He's always going to have an association with them. He was on the Brody Lee show. He was good friends with him. You know, Amanda now helps out with the company itself. And a lot of the wrestlers are friends with him. He, the thing is, Big Show has said they need their own. They're giants. You know, I think Rusev's one of the biggest guys they have. You know, Eric Redbeard's taller than Brody King. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's at least 6'8", six, 6'9", six, if not 7 foot. And he's accomplished. He's just not really anything besides that. So... I just find yeah, it crazy that he doesn't want to sign a full-time contract. He just kind of likes floating, if that's the case. AEW has big guys, but they're not necessarily tall guys, and he's definitely like tall and big. Um, I'm assuming that he's coming in with Bray at some point, or he's not signing because he wants to do something with Bray, maybe in a different company. Yeah, would be my guess. Uh, but he was great in this match, man. Like, it's, it's especially like. He did the Brody show and then kind of I know he's worked some indie dates, but it's not like this guy's full time wrestling, but he looked like a million bucks and did a great job of selling and getting his eye poked out and having misspit in it. Uh, so there was that. It was good. It was good shit. Also, like, what do you think the negotiation of like is like, what music do you want? He's like, I need the cattle decapitation. Right. <laughs> he tells that to Tony. Tony's like, Tony, say what? Yeah. Say what, what? now? <laughs> <laughs> this goes back to when he was with Brian Danielson. And they, like, he clearly just stopped giving a fuck and just started wearing the most metal shirts he could find. He's got like at the gate shirts on and like <laughs> decapitation, a Monomarth shirts. I'm like, dude, Eric Red- Redbeard's a G. <laughs> I love this guy. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to the main card. Definitely enjoyed that match. Good uh, first match leading up to the actual first match, which started this pay-per-view hot. It might be my second favorite match, actually. Um, Maybe, if not second, third. But um, Eddie Kingston, Chris Jericho. This match was awesome. I mean, they had... It was about a 14-minute match. uh, But 
Jericho looks incredible shape. He's definitely taken the time to try to slim down. He was moving like I haven't seen him moved. I think this probably if if this was not the best match he's had in AEW since the one with Moxley, then this might actually be his best match so far. His best showing. Everything that he did. Yeah, there was that time where Eddie wasn't in the right spot. He had a kind of scoot to get in the lion's salt. But the way that I think um what what's his name? Um oh god, the commentator with the mask on. Uh save me, Chris. Excalibur. 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 I was I always want to say Luchasaurus. God dang it. Excalibur, where he was like, <laughs> No, because Tony he's like, I don't think he got all of that, but then he's like, No, but like, you know, his knee actually went right over his face. And the whole story was since he got eye surgery, they were working on the opposite eye and making it look like Jericho was trying to go for his weak spot. And by the end of it, his whole that whole side of his face was puffy. I'm like, do we want to fuck up both eyes on this guy? Like, Jesus, he just came back from surgery on the other one. But great fucking match. Great back and forth. A lot of cool spots. He gave him a fucking suplex off the apron to the floor. Now, the way Jericho did it, it definitely made it so that it didn't hurt as much. Like, he's falling as opposed to like forcing himself down, like if you watch it, that's going to fucking suck either way, especially for Eddie for taking that spot. But um, I love the ending. You know, he went for the Judas effect. He ducked that, and then he hit him two times with the back fist. One, two, three. Eddie Kingston wins. He goes to get his handshake from Jericho. Jericho tells him to fuck off, and I'll do the follow-up. Monday, Jericho comes. He seems apologetic. He seems really sad about what he did. He wants A to come down to give him the handshake. He said that he let his ego get to him. Eddie tells him that the handshake was not for him, but it was actually for Jericho. And they seem like they're on the same terms. 2.0 comes out. They start beating down Eddie Kingston and kind of like just holding Jericho in a lock. Out comes Ortiz Ortiz and Santana. Uh, They have baseball bats. They throw Jericho on, and he goes, and he takes it on Santana. And he takes Ortiz out. And now this is the new group, the Jericho Appreciation Society. Jake Hager also comes out. So basically, it's the inner circle minus uh, <laughs> it's the inner circle minus uh, what you call Pride and Powerful and Sammy. But now 2.0 is in that spot. So uh, first things first, let's talk about the match. We'll talk about the after effect afterwards, Chris. How'd you like the match with him and Eddie, and just the story they told? It was a great match. I I actually when Jericho said it, it's his best match in AEW, honestly, I think it might be. I, I think it was that good, and he it's it's probably because Jericho is just in better shape. But I mean, he looked like a million bucks here. He looked like he was like twenty five uh, in certain spots, especially when he's hitting. The, he hit the Frankensteiner off the top rope, and it, it just looked crisp. Um, as far as the lion salting, good for Eddie for getting back in position because like we we like that this just happened with Darby and Matt Hardy. Was it Matt Hardy? He was out of position as well. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I think Jericho looked like a million bucks. I enjoy this storyline. I'm excited to see what Sammy Guevara's reaction is going to be to the breakup. Um, Where the fuck was Sammy? Well, he he, draw, he he said, until you guys figure this shit out, I'm not part of this group anymore. I mean, he did tell him. But, but Jericho <laughs> like, turned on Pride and Powerful. I mean, that, that's a little bit of a, like a different concept. Jake Hager fucked them over, too. My whole thing is, 
And I know that you have a full show. It's going to be very hard on Dynamite to pull this off. But to give us a little clarity, if you just have the after effect and Prime Powerful, maybe like one of them's in the medic place and fucking Santana's livid and pissed and shit like that. And Sammy <laughs> gets there and Sammy's like, dude, I just saw online like him and him and uh, Ty Conti get there. Dude, we, our, our flight was fucking, you know, delayed a bunch of times. Like, what the fuck happened? And Santana's like, what the fuck, Sammy? Blah, blah, blah. Like, add that little thing. It adds to Sammy at the end of it being distraught in his last match when he loses the title against Scorpio Sky. Just gives that little insight because the whole entire time I'm like, I mean, I understand that he said that, but they just fucked him over. Like, Jericho, it just became a heel. Where the fuck is he? Nothing. No Sammy. He was begging Ty Conti in the back. Uh, Jericho did get dumped on his fucking head off that suplex, though. I don't know how he was able to roll out of that, but he did a good, he landed like shoulder head. He was able to roll. It was like, ah, dude, Jericho's channeling his inner Okada over here. I guess. Um, But the rest of the match was good. Someone said it. It's like they were doing a Kawada uh, Misawa match, basically, because they were just dumping each other on their head the whole entire fucking time. Right. They really were. And um, I like that Eddie won with a submission. Yeah, tap. That was that was cool. And then um, my favorite part of this because I watched this stretch with plum, my right? nieces. The yeah, stretch bomb. My favorite part of this entire match is watching it with my nieces and Jericho takes the turnbuckle cover off. And my niece was like, "Oh, because that always works well." It's <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure fucking enough. Jericho goes for that elbow and bangs his elbow against the. <laughs> against the exposed turnbuckle it was just great like uh, watching wrestling like if you have any kids in your life that like wrestling i it'll be way more enjoyable if you can watch it through their eyes like go sit with them watch a pay-per-view highly recommend it's amazing that's awesome dude i wish i could get my niece into it but both her parents would be like uh, uh, what are you gonna do all right the next I would say clusterfuck of an awesome tag match. <laughs> Jurassic Express, the champions, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus going against Red Dragon, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly against the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson with Brandon Cuttlefish in their corner. Uh, we had a three-way tag team for the AW World Tag Team Championship. Once again, maybe I just misheard it, but JR was getting cranky anyways through this. I don't know if it was supposed to be a no-DQ match or not, but we, it's it's just, you know, AEW tag match. That's how it is. If Bucks are involved and if Rick, Rick Ross or whatever the fuck his name is, Rick Knox, not Rick Ross, um, he, if he's refing, man, whatever happens, happens, man. <laughs> the one thing I will say, I like the majority of this match. I thought Jungle Boy looked awesome. I thought, I, I think Luchasaurus is starting to understand how to be a big guy better than he has before. I know that they've worked with him on that. Um, and I, like I said, I think that Jungle Boy was the MVP, some of the shit that he was doing. But that one fucking spot where I don't know if, if Kyle O'Reilly was holding Jungle Boy and then the Young Bucks kicked out his knees to Tombstone, like, shit like that's fucking ridiculous. Like, that type of stuff, I just kind of roll my eyes. But other than that, it was a great match. And, of course, Jungle Express retained the titles because we know they're probably going to be dropping them sometime soon in the future um which i I don't know exactly which team could take it but i feel like that's happening very very soon and uh, i I guess more important to have uh this 
friction between the Bucks and Red Dragon. But uh, how'd you like this match, Chris? I love this match. I thought it was amazing. And also in my notes, I wrote, holy shit, Luchasaurus. <laughs> and I must have been talking about the hot tag. He got a hot tag at one point and he just went ape shit. Like he hit all of his roundhouse kicks and various on various different people. He set up the moonsault that he does. Um, he hit like a big splash to the outside. I was like, God, he's fucking moving. But like you said, Jungle Boy was like, dude, he's so good. He's got to drop the Jungle Boy thing, though. My nieces hate him because he's Jungle Boy. They're like, you're not Tarzan. Fuck out of here. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I think the Jungle Jack Perry thing needs to happen soon. But they're they're as a tag team. They did really well in this match. It was it was good stuff. Yeah, it was pretty fun. A lot of cool spots. And, uh, I mean, the follow-up for this is that, you know, when we have that confrontation between Adam Cole, who's claiming that it was a fluke win, and we'll talk about the match itself, with Adam Page on this pay-per-view, he says that he's got two guys that he's going to work with that are perfect and, and used to be good friends with them, obviously talking about the Young Bucks, and they turned him down. So he went with Red Dragon. I thought he was going to pick someone completely different altogether. That was kind of obvious. But, um, I mean, that's the whole thing is that is, – is this all leading to Kane's going to eventually come back and it's going to be, you know, whatever. Adam Page maybe involved with Kenny and the Young Bucks' baby faces going against Adam Cole, Red Dragon, and maybe Jay White or something like that. Is that what we're building up to? Like Adam's going to try to take over, but then Kane's going to come back. We also had Don Callis on the pre-show saying that Kenny's not ready, but he's going to be back soon and healing it up, you know, with the music coming on, people freaked out. And then it was just him and making fun of the crowd. I don't know if that's actually going to work out for Don Callis. I really feel Kenny's going to come back as a baby face because people want to cheer Kenny after him being gone this long. So we'll see. But what do you think about all that? The best part about the Don Callis uh, coming out to the ring, they hit the music. Excalibur was so hyped. He was like, oh, it's getting Omega. And then Don Callis came it's out and was like, shit. It was just, he's like, it's shit. It's just Don Callis. It was just so dismissive that it was great commentary. Um, good promo by Don. I what I, Like I've said before, you know, these groups are going to be feuding with each other. And I think Kenny's just going to be the odd man out. And, uh, you know, him and Don Callis together, even if he's a babyface, is not necessarily... You, you can be a babyface and have a Don Callis as a manager. What? Um, but, yeah, I, I, I liked this a lot. I thought it was, I thought it was a good shit. The, is, as far as the him talking about Kenny, which uh, Kenny's, like, going to be gone for three or four more months because everything's getting pushed back by COVID. He talked about that on the Meltzer interview as far as his rehab goes. Like, every doctor's appointment's pushed out like three or four weeks, so... I can't believe that that man wrestled the year that he had in 2020 with as much shit that was wrong with him. And him talking yeah. about wrestling with, like, vertigo and stuff is just insane to me. I agree. Um, so this next match was the face of the revolution ladder match with the, uh, golden hemorrhoid pillow. I think that's a hemorrhoid pillow, right? Hanging above the thing. Oh no, it was a brass ring. That's what it's called. Sorry. Anyways, <laughs> the donut, 
the the uh, golden <laughs> donut someone, for, Dan for Housen Homer po- Simpson. <laughs> Dan Housen posted, "So is he the champion of Ring of Honor now?" And I laughed really fucking <laughs> <looking> hard. <laughs> He's so stupid. All right, Warlow, <laughs> Christian Cage, Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Pyros Hobbs, and Ricky Starks. Um, I think there were too many big men in this, if I'm going to be honest with you, just because it's hard for them to do a lot when it involves climbing a fucking ladder. I think Brian – I think – no, no, it was, uh, it was Keith Lee was talking about I had never done a ladder match. <laughs> and then they told him, you're going to be a part of this ladder match. And he was like, okay, well, let's do it. Um but, uh, yeah, and if you haven't heard the Jericho interview with him, really awesome. Definitely check it out. Really cool stories with him and Dusty Rhodes back when he was uh, coming up, giving him advice and stuff. And Dusty being just blatantly, uh, you know, critical with him because he wanted him to uh, succeed. But, uh, anyways, this was a fun match, though. Christian knows how to handle ladder match really well. Orange Cassidy accidentally got hurt in this, and he's going to be out for a little while. Uh Messed up one of his arms, I believe, on one of the spots. But Wardlow ended up winning it, and that really kind of lays the groundwork for what's going to happen this uh, upcoming Wednesday for their match. Him and Scorpio Sky. Scorpio beating Sammy, obviously, at the end of Dynamite. Uh, A lot of people think that Scorpio is a transitional champion. I don't think so. I think Wardlow coming out and demanding that, you know, MJF take him off the contract and what he does... Next, with screwing over MJF against uh, the CM Punk thing, uh, I, I really think that he's going to cost him that championship. And we're going to start to build first probably him and Sean Spears, but then inevitably it's going to be MJF against Wardlow. Uh, because Wardlow, regardless, should probably be positioned at some point in the world championship picture. Taking probably the title from MJF eventually, once MJF has that title, I would say. So... Um, I like the ladder match. It was fun. Too bad that Orange Cassidy got hurt. Hope he gets uh, back sooner than, you know, what's supposed to happen. And, uh, yeah, just um, cool stuff following that. Good uh, promo from Wardlow. Definitely over with the people, you know. And uh, I think MJF's going to fuck him over on the TNT Championship, Chris. Orange Cassidy was a million bucks in this match, man. Like he found so many weird ways to make his gimmick work. That's it's it's super impressive. But the entire match was just built around like Keith Lee's a monster. <laughs> At he one is. point they broke they broke a side of a ladder, and I was like, please do not go up that, Keith. And then Keith's like, oh, bask in my glory. I'm gonna climb this broke ass ladder. I'm like, please don't. <laughs> Did you see that? Where like you know the yeah. little A frame. Like it was just broken hanging, and I'm like, Keith, please, like, do not, <laughs> do not try to climb that. Um, I like AEW using the like I guess they're wooden ladders that they paint. I think that makes more sense. Um, I I don't know. I like I I kind of feel I I get what you're saying about there was too many big men in this match because I feel like one big guy in a ladder match is kind of great. Like. Um, was a guy that looked like a used condom in the NXT. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> R. Sullivan. <laughs> yeah, like when he was in that ladder match, it made sense. He was the—I just call it the Kane of the ladder match. I was about to say Kane. Kane, Kane <laughs> is is that guy. It's good to have like one big guy. They did have too many big guys, but they did cool spots. 
um, around each other. So it was fine. And also, these big guys are not WWE big guys. They can fucking move. So it just made me really sad that Willie Mack wasn't in this match. Honestly, I was like, man, I wish Willie Mack was in this match. He's such a hybrid of the two concepts. He's a big guy that can fucking move like a, a luchador. I forgot what the name of the gentleman that was friends with them um, that I did the interview with a long time ago. But, um, you know, I, I said it's like he's he's a little bit dusty. He's a little bit junkyard dog, but he moves like a fucking luchador. Like it makes absolutely no sense. And he had an absolute banger of a match on Impact. I, I he did. Everyone checks that out. out. Um, um, but, yeah, like it, it was a good match. Uh, I like what they're doing with Keith Lee. They're just putting they're going to put him against QT to get like another squash match. So that's fine. Well, it seems like when last night when uh, Hobbs and uh, Starks beat the crap out of him after he beat, um, what, what's his name, the whole entire fucking QT Marshall group. I guess is it the Nightmare Family still? Doesn't matter. Uh, Anthony Gogo, Camarato, Zozo, those those guys. <laughs> so then afterwards, Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks go to beat him up. You know, I like the idea of of Hobbs and Keith Lee, but there's a problem with that. One of them has to lose, and you have Powerhouse, even though he has a good record, most of the time on television, you have him lose to people, and Keith Lee doesn't need to be losing any of his matches. So, And I don't, I don't really have as much like want to see Starks go against Keith Lee. I guess he can fucking throw him across the goddamn arena, but still, I mean, that's also not going to help their situation since he's a champion somewhat, I guess. Uh, there was a great spot in this match. I, I agree with you on that, but there was a great spot in this match where Keith Lee did the Undertaker uh, boneyard match thing, where he just popped up behind everybody. That was pretty cool. That is pretty funny. <laughs> like everyone's super pumped, and then it's just like, oh no, it's Keith Lee. It was pretty good. Uh, by the way, was this a was everyone trying to go for a tribute of the Undertaker? Because I swear to God, there was like a. A fucking tombstone pile driver in every other match. <laughs> it's like seven million tombstones. And I remember I JR at one part. Jump JR at one part was like, "Well, I remember when the tombstone was effective, or something like that." Like, you know. Yeah, he's like, "I remember when that movie used to kill people." <laughs> like, oh, Okada's out here is like, "Yeah, but like, get on my level. Let's do 360 tombstones." <laughs> uh, yeah, there's yeah, a little I bit think- different about the way he does it. For sure, it's uh, it's it's. I mean, he, they said that you know he was getting inducted in the Hall of Fame, so we kind of knew it was coming. There was going to be a lot of Undertaker spots. There was also a lot of choke slam spots, like Eric Redbeard choke slamming two people like it's nothing. It looks like they didn't even go up for it. He kind of just like here you go. That was pretty cool. I want to know what Ed, Eric Redbeard's doing right now. Do you think he's just playing a Halo and listening to metal? I hope so. I hope he has like old school headphones and like maybe like even like a fucking a tape cassette, and he's listening to like death metal while he's reading like a book from fucking you know some amazing author. It's very very a think piece, if you will, you know. Um, Ernest Hemingway. There you go. He's reading Ernest Hemingway underneath a tree. While listening to fucking death metal in his old school tape cassette recorder. Yeah, he's just out here listening to At the Gates while reading 
<laughs> old man in the sea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love Eric Redbeard. Also, we need to we need to revisit how dope that Daniel Bryan title run was, where he was <laughs> being vegan, eco friendly, and how awesome that belt was that was made out of like hemp and beads. Yeah, no kidding. All right, well, let's keep on moving. Uh, we had the match with Jay Cargill versus Ty Conti. And uh, this, is a, a, this is a pretty good match for both ladies. You can definitely see an improvement since Jade has been working with Brian Danielson, um, you know, uh, to get better, and Serena Deeb. Uh, you know, good match. Ty Conti lost. Was kind of, though, you know, even though it was a good match, it should have been probably on either like you said, the pre-show or just on one of the other shows. Uh, it was less than seven minutes for the AEW TBS championship. Jay Cargill is still undefeated. Bitch. It's that bitch show. Um, <laughs> it's the bitch show. It's the bitch, bitch, bitch show. Um, yeah, it was fine. I mean, it felt like a TV match and I wouldn't even consider it one of the best women's match. Like I watched elevation. I saw session moth versus uh, Ruby Soho. That was a better match. So Jade's still getting there. Ty Conte doing, I, I do like that Jade was making fun of her karate shit. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Leading into the match. Yeah. She's like, what are you going to do? Hit me with that karate bullshit, which was pretty good. Uh, and I also like the follow-up on uh, Dynamite. They're starting to let uh, Max Sterling talk more, Smart Mark himself as her manager. So there was a good moment in that match where they kind of built up a little bit of uh, animosity between the two. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was fine. I think that could have been pre-show. And I'm not trying to take anything away from either of these female performers, but... This was just a stacked card. I mean, it was a stacked card. Even the pre-show matches, yeah. Um, and, and I will say, to follow up, the next time we see Tekanti, the TNT match that we've talked about, that Scorpio Sky beats Sammy Guevara, probably one of the scariest fucking moments was him doing a 630 to the outside through a table when Scorpio Sky moved and just ate shit completely. Ty comes out there to help her out, and... You know, since Dan Lambert's there and he represents these guys, uh, we had a new signing with Paige Van Zant finalized, uh, first calling out Ty Conti, getting nose-to-nose with her, and then actually jumping over the uh, rails and attacking her and beating her up um, with Sammy losing to Scorpio Sky. So, you know, they're in shambles a bit. Um, I'm even wondering with the amount of hate because people can't get into fucking – have to get into people's personal shit. You know, obviously, Sammy had a fiance. They broke up, and he got with Ty Conti. I would go fucking heel if that's the case, if people are going to keep on giving you shit with the two of them and just change it up a bit. But we'll see what happens. Um, how do you like Paige being a part of this? I'm excited, actually, you know, for her to be a part of this. Um, I'm not I'm not going to say she's going to make rounds and do some amazing work like, like Big Swole. But I think she'll be able to contribute a lot of good stuff. So uh, <laughs> amazing, amazing work! I like Big Soul. Uh, she threw that her one, dude. That one match with her and Diamante is up there with Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson for sure. 
Yeah, dude, that's right up there. That's right there. Um, dude, she tossed Ty Conti so hard into those stairs. She did, which immediately makes me worry about what's going to happen if she actually tries to have a wrestling match. Um, also, every time I hear the name Paige in general, I think of Paige, and then like Paige Van Zant, I just think of like Leonard Skinner. So in my mind, I just combine the two things. <laughs> Um, that's not her fault. That's just her name. Uh, this was okay. I, I, I really don't know what else to say. I mean, like, dude, with Brandy, Sammy, I know that Sammy's crazy, but does he really need to do spots where he fucking puts himself through a table by himself, like in a 360 or a 630 spin? What's hilarious is like everyone gives the Jeff Hardy comparison to Darby, but it's realistically it's Sammy. <laughs> if you think about it, he's definitely crazy. Uh, I, I like at least he lets people know that he's about to do something crazy every time he's about to do it. That little look he does for the he does like the the spin like I'm crazy. It's it's good. That's that's probably why he wasn't on Dynamite. He was doing that and then writing uh, those notes just in case they go picture in picture. So that's why he didn't show up to help his brethren. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, We had probably my favorite match of the night. CM Punk, MJF, dog collar match. 26 minutes, 45 seconds. This match was awesome. They build up to this really well with the whole entire storyline. Since Punk bled a gusher, uh, the week previous, um, you know, it was good that uh, <laughs> it w- it was good because they just opened up the same fucking spot and he bled perfectly on this, too. Uh, but my God, that first chain whip from MJF going against fucking Punk's back and seeing the metal links just on his back, on his skin, just welted in. It was a brutal ass match. Lots of choking. I'm sorry, guys. It was a better fucking match than the last one that they did with uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine in the crowd with Cody and uh, the great late uh, Brody Lee. It just they they just had I, I think that CM Punk knows how to map this out. He's done them before and they just had like a lot of uh, great maneuvers, even wrapping his leg before giving him a shining wizard. That was pretty cool. Um, you know, one part MJF. I think it was actually that spot that. He got busted open, uh, and both guys just beat the living shit out of each other. And by the end of it, you really thought that kind of MJF was going to get the upper hand. Wardlow comes out. We've done this bunch where he takes the ring out of his pocket and then gives it to MJF to use. Oh, but I can't find it. Oh, it's not over in this pocket. It's not over here. And, (laughs) you know, MJF ends up getting fucking zoinked and uh, put into the go to sleep. And then all of a sudden, oh, I found it. I'm just going to put it right here. CM Punk grabs it, pulls up, you know, a car. He could have, it it, would have been done at that point, but he wanted to fucking just add one more punch, pulls MJF up, punches him right in the face. One, two, three, and your winner, CM Punk. I don't know what this is going to do for MJF. Like I said, I think he's going to be more after Wardlow, and I think CM Punk, he said that this match is going to change his dynamic going forward. I loved him coming out to his old school Ring of Honor music, AFI, being in that outfit. 
if you want to get more of like he's still baby face, but this is going to be him going more in a heel direction and I'm just getting more intense and more aggressive. I'm down for that. I'm completely here for that. Um, just excited. They they weren't on Wednesday, and that was smart, honestly. Neither one of them. You know, they made everyone else do their thing, and it was still a great show. So, to me, this is my favorite match, Chris. What did you think about this match between the two of them? Very old school, nonetheless. Oh, I think the Moxley-Ambrose match was my – or the Moxley-Brian uh, Danielson match was my favorite match, but this was a fucking really good match. And I love this. And I know a lot of people on the internet because there's a difference in a like MJF coming out to the CM Punk theme. I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Like, that's great. Yeah. And then him coming out, like, he won up to him. He came out to his old shit. And I had even talked about this on the podcast. Like, I was like, what if he shows up with like the Ring of Honor shorts, <laughs> like the gym shorts? And he did. It was awesome. And it came out to AFI, but a lot of the internet did not like that, apparently. They're like, why didn't you come out to your song? (laughs) It's like, you guys know you can, like, you can listen. Was it Living Color? Yeah. Vernon Vernon Green's their guitar player. He's fucking phenomenal. Like, just go listen to their album. (laughs) You don't have to watch wrestling to listen to that song. Uh, I thought it was awesome. I, I I think I just immediately sent you holy shit AFI <laughs> in the chat. So I was high song on it. too. It's it that whole album is a banger. I'm gonna just yeah. toss all of that album into the end of this. So like, hey, if you're here now, we might get, this one might get pulled, but we're gonna throw all the AFI album at the end of this. Um, yeah, I loved everything about this match. I thought it was great. I will disagree with you. I think the Cody and uh, the Cody and Brody match was better. Well, and okay. and the reason I will say that is it felt like the it felt like that '70s feel to me. This felt like a modern version of that. Which is fine, and they did really cool shit, and they definitely did innovative stuff with the chains and the Wardlow, uh, the Wardlow ring drop. My nieces pop, <laughs> Ken pop. We all popped. We were like, yeah, let's go. Um, it kind of went the way I think I predicted. Like Wardlow was going to screw him over. I just assumed it would be a power bomb or something, though. But that was like kind of cooler that he was just like. Here's the ring. Do what you will and left. Uh, it's good shit. I like this match a lot. All right. Next match we have was Dr. Britt Baker with both Rebel and Jamie Hayter going against Thunder Rosa. Um, like I said, this was a lot of interference. Good match when it's the two of those ladies, but the interference kind of just took it took away from the match just in general. Um. Like I said, this went on like a 17 minutes, 25 seconds. I'm more excited about their match in the cage. I love that they set that up. Uh, Thunder Rosa looked legitimately. I don't know why she went against legit Layla Hirsch. We've already talked about that, but whatever. But she legitimately looked excited and happy. She's going to be in her hometown. I think she's getting that title from Britt Baker. Um, and if that was the case, I don't know why this match had to have been as long as it was. It was a bunch of interference. If you're going to have her win in her hometown two weeks later or a week later, but um, whatever, you know. Um, I didn't really like this match that much, if you can't tell, Chris. Uh, 
I didn't necessarily love this match because it had a lot to live up to because they had that lights out match of the year match. Um, and then you throw in the bunch of WWE interference. This was a very WWE match. Yep. This is exactly what I would expect WWE to do. So I, I feel like why you wouldn't like it. But it it was like nothing in the match itself, like in ring wise, was bad. No. And we were talking about how she was a little bit slower the uh, week previous in her last match. Um, I forgot who she won against. It might have been that tag match she was a part of. But she just seemed off. So it was good to see Britt Baker. She seemed like she was back to normal. Um, I don't know if she tweaked something temporarily or what, but, you know, remember us saying a comment about that. It was, it was really great hearing Tony's follow up, uh, on dynamite. Can I just call out, can I just talk about how hypocritical it is of Tony Schiavone to, it's okay if, if you, if a commentator hates a wrestler, especially if they're insulted by this wrestler, JR and fucking Triple H were a perfect, you know, example of that. But if you hate a wrestler like MJF for doing everything that your best friend Britt Baker does in her matches and sticking up for her, can someone fucking call him out for that, please? Like, yeah, but he, thinks, but he thinks she's cute. It's different. He doesn't think MJF's cute. If he thought MJF, that would actually be the better storyline if Tony Schiavone <laughs> thought MJF was cute. Um, nah, I mean, like, it was just really funny. Like, JR's like, yeah, Thunder Rosa only lost because they cheated, basically. And Tony's like, yeah, you know, Britt's great in the ring. I don't know why she has all these people around her. Like, he's just, like, dialing it back. It was really fucking funny. Um, fucking Tony. Good stuff. Tony, Tony's been great. I love that he's just so happy to be there on every show. <laughs> He is a happy, happy man. All right. All right. After that, we had another one of my favorite matches, your favorite match, uh, John Moxley, Brian Danielson. Holy shit. I mean, this was very much a New Japan-style match, I would say. They And that's not a bad thing at all. They, they were just beating the shit out of each other, throwing a lot of strikes back and forth. You have and William Regal in his speech that he had, uh, his his – Academy Award speech that he did on Wednesday. Um, <laughs> he went around like these these turns. Basically, what you're trying to say is that Brian Danielson is the best professional wrestler, like wrestler wise, and John Moxley is the best brawler. And having the combination of them and the fact that he used to be their teacher would provide a good opportunity as a unit. And them as a tag team sounds awesome. This is a great match. They ended up bleeding together. Uh, it did. This is the one thing that sucks. It's like, I know that getting color shouldn't be a big deal. It, it's, yeah, no, it's on a pay-per-view. We just had a match where CM Punk and MJF are bleeding b- buckets. It did kind of not take away from it, but it just, it would have been more effective for John Moxley and Brian Danielson's match if that didn't just occur ahead of time. But still, I mean, it doesn't take away from the match itself, but John Moxley ended up getting Brian Danielson by a pinfall uh, and won the match, and afterwards they started beating the crap out of each other. And of course, like I said, William Regal, who is now all elite, came on the scene and slapped them both in the face and said, "Shake hands." Very Ring of Honorish of them. Maybe they're going to be the first group in Ring of Honor. I don't know. Uh, but I, I like this match. It was awesome. 
like 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 we said, I mean, one of the best brawlers in wrestling, one of the best wrestlers in wrestling, had a damn good match, and I'm very interested of what happens with them and William Regal going forward. And I thought it was really classy, because he's a classy guy, for William Regal to apologize, because apparently he took away from time, and they had to cut like a segment, um, because he went long. You know, it's the first time he'd been able to do a long promo like that in a long time, so shit happens, and it was really cool to see him, you know, acknowledge it and apologize, but whew, good match, man. I liked his promo a lot, dude. He went, he like, went super in on his life and his backstory and relating it back to wrestling and John Moxley, who's going, like, just came out of rehab, and he's like, I used to be Tony. part of the bottle. Yeah, like, flirting with Tony. He's throwing, like, shades of WCW there, which is great. Um, I don't know. I I love the regal stuff on Dynamite. I know a lot of people are like, it, even you sent me. You were like, it's too long. I was like, it's not long enough. No, well, <laughs> more, more. It regal. definitely <laughs> went long, and I was saying that it was a good speech. <laughs> but if this was the Oscars, they would have started playing the music about fucking five minutes past where he went. So basically, it's all about the boom, <laughs> right as he's talking. Exactly. Um. Yeah, this was a really good match. There was great chain wrestling in this. And uh, I don't know, man. Like, Brian Danielson looks like a million dollars. How did WWE mess this up? Mess up this relationship? It's hilarious to me. Um, It was my favorite match of the night. I thought it was, like, the best in-ring work and good storytelling and Moxley and, and Danielson. They're, they they slowed it down. They did the WWE thing, but then they also went like full speed at times, where it was like it felt like an indie kind of thing. So it was it was great. All right, our next match, or at the time TNT uh, champion Sammy Guevara teaming with Darby Allen and Sting to go against the Andrade Hardy family office: Andrade El Idolo, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy. Um. And uh, it was a good match, but I mean, the biggest thing, the only thing I could really take away from this is my man Sting, dude. And I've seen multiple videos of people in the fucking audience, my second favorite wrestler of all time, deciding I'm going to jump off a fucking balcony through three tables to take out Matt Hardy. And Matt Hardy was the one taking the bump, too. So the whole factor, he just jumps and afterwards Sting's talking about it. Makeup's all fucked up still from the match. And, you know, he's, he's talking to the press and he's like, you know, I've learned a lot from Darby Allen. And, you know, with stuff like that, it's like, fuck it. It's fun. I want to try it. I want to do it. And he's like, you know, I don't have a lot, a lot of time left to wrestle. So I'm just going to, like, live it up to the best. And that's what he's fucking doing, man. Sting, taking b- table bumps like that. What the fuck, man? Like, and of course, they end up winning, which would lead to what we'll talk about next. But uh, what did you think about this match, Chris? Sting's ability to make you believe that he is the superhero, like the Hulk Hogan, like old Sting, when he gets like three people around him and he starts chopping and slapping and punching. It's still believable. You're like, oh, dude, he's powering up. You guys aren't even ready for that. <laughs> it's so good. He's so good at it. And uh, him hitting a cross body block through that fucking table is like, that's amazing. I can't believe he did it. 
I pop so hard for it. Love Sting. I'm wearing a Sting shirt right now, so I'm obviously a mark, but st- everything in this match, and there was a lot of crazy shit in this match. It's like Sting is the thing you think of the most, which is like they have to get away from that <laughs> at some point, right? Uh, like everything else was an afterthought after Sting hit that crossbody. That's like all I can think of. Like, yeah, but you remember that time Sting hit the crossbody through like 17 tables? It was pretty good. Um, but even on like Dynamite, he did the same thing. Like he had the same kind of like. Like, uh, he came in hot. He was, like, punching, like, four dudes at the same time. I'm just like, dude, he he still got it. And there is something to that superhero wrestler. You know? Like, you don't see it that much anymore. Nah, man. He's fucking Batman, dude. He always will be. To me. Especially with that crow shit. All right, so. The follow-up on Dynamite. uh, The... Andrade Hardy family family office was uh, having a meeting and Matt Hardy knew that Andrade was basically petitioning to the other members. I love how, why, why is it? You, did you notice the, the butcher, the blade and the bunny, they, they didn't vote. So do they just they not don't matter in the whole, they don't get votes <laughs> in this, but whatever. But the manager does. Uh, um, so Jose and fucking, you know, it was a thumbs up, thumbs down. Jose and Andrade, uh, put a thumbs out to get rid of Matt Hardy, but he thought that he had private private party. Definitely, he saw them have a thumbs down when he turned around, started saying, "See, my boys have my back." They went thumbs up, and everyone starts beating the crap out of them. Out, Darby Allen and Sting come to save Matt Hardy, and then they get overwhelmed by all the members, and then you hear the music. How did how did he get this music? It's from the WWE. I did not know this, but, you know, hearing it in random motocross fucking commercials and shit, the music (laughs) Vince should have bought a long fucking time ago, but he didn't. So it was, you know, a domain style music that anyone could use. So fucking Tony purchased it, not having to worry about WWE for cheap. And now Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy have their old music and everyone went fucking crazy. The only thing I will say is Jeff. I know you got to get your shit in, but you could have done it afterwards because your brother's getting kicked in the head right now, and you're fucking making sure you get every goddamn pose in before you run out there. But it was pretty funny. I loved it. I loved the interaction of uh, Jeff, uh, you know, being in there, looking, staying kind of looking like, I don't know if I trust this guy the last time. He came up, fucked up on a bunch of painkillers, and I had to, like, put him down. Uh, I'm just kidding, but, you know, that did happen. Um, if you guys want to look up Victoria Road, but... uh Darby <laughs> Allen, Darby Allen just would not stop staring away from Jeff Hardy, and uh, that would continue when they saved Sting and uh, or Sting and Darby last night, in which Darby had his his eyes on Jeff Hardy. Could we be seeing the cares? Obviously, we're getting the Hardy Boys back together. Matt looks just like he used to. Um, are we going to see the charismatic Enigma go against the strange Enigma sometime soon? Both named from Mr. JR because he saw the same similarities like a lot of us have with the face paint and the craziness and all that type of shit. Recklessness, abandoned perception that Darby Allen has that Jeff Hardy used to. Chris, what do you think about all this? Jeff Hardy is all elite. Did Jeff Hardy change the game by just, just like, fuck this and leaving WWE? <laughs> 
And let's see how many people follow. <laughs> yeah, like he just threw the bird. He's like, fuck this. I'm not doing this. And he just left mid-match. How long until Sasha Banks does that? <laughs> like, fuck this. Um, no, it was great. And uh, the wife popped super hard for Jeff Hardy, as expected. And um, I don't know. It was weird that he was da- he's doing the Jeff Hardy dance, but he's also been in WWE for the past three years. So he's like, got to do the <laughs> thing. But also, I got to save my brother. <laughs> I see that meme of it. There was like a fight in a high school. This dude just started breakdancing. It was basically that. But hey, I can't remember who he uh, hit the senton on, but dude knew that Jeff was just going to squish him. So he did the cross. He crossed his arms across his chest to take it. Um, That shit was fucking awesome. Andrade was great. (laughs) This was awesome. Like, I don't know. I'm excited about the Hardys. Let's go. Like, Hardys and Young Bucks. Yeah, that's definitely going to happen eventually. We're going to get probably Sting and Darby in a competitive match against the Hardys. I'm assuming we're going to get probably get Darby and him, Sammy and him. We're probably, like you said, Young Bucks and them. I mean, there's so much stuff the Hardys can do now. And if if and now that, that Jeff's there, and now that they have an audience and Matt's now a babyface, Matt can go back to the broken gimmick if he wants to, and it'll probably get over now since he was trying to do it when there was no one there during the pandemic. So, you know, good stuff all around, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And, uh, the, the other, the, the only other thing I would say is like, um, but as far as Darby goes, I would go sting Jeff first, then have Jeff beat sting. And then it gives you a reason like, Oh, he beat my mentor. Like, don't give us the, don't give us the Darby Jeff thing right off the bat, like build it up. And I think that Jeff would love to give Sting a good match to make up for the past one because Jeff Hardy was dressing like Sting back in fucking when they first started wrestling in their backyard. Uh, You know, that's like one of his heroes. And I'm sure that Victory Road thing really does not sit well. I know that they've mended it, but actually being able to give Sting a good match and be like, sorry about that. That would be really cool to see. But is Jeff going to start wearing? He needs to wear face paint. Where the fuck's his face paint? Well, I mean, he's coming out for the first time. Everybody else is in normal clothes. I mean, that actually makes sense. You don't go to a wrestling show and put on the makeup unless you're actually going to wrestle, unless you're Sting and Darby. <laughs> um, I hope he, like, when he wrestles Darby, I hope he shows up as Willow. That'd be fucking great with the umbrella and shit. Like, <laughs> Oh, that would be awesome. His dark persona against Darby Allen. Yeah. The Strange Enigma versus the Charismatic Enigma. I definitely need that in the future. I'm, and also the Bucks against the Hardys. I'm just, I'm very excited for the Darby versus Jeff match that will inevitably happen because my nieces are going to get the business from my wife on this one. She's like, I love Jeff. They're like, we love Darby. It's going to be really fun to be in that room. All right. Well, the last match. And it's not that I didn't like this match. I thought it was good. It was very NXT-ish, but also AEW-ish, if that makes sense, because you have Adam Cole and Adam Page for the World Championship. But I don't think some of the matches, including Kingston and Jericho, including that giant tag match that you had, 
including obviously the the dog collar match, the Moxley and fucking Daniel Bryan. I think that all kind of took away from the main event a bit because I was exhausted. I honestly, guys, I had a tune out. I told fucking uh, after after the dog collar match. Oh no, no, no it was the Brian Danielson. Um, uh, uh, what call it? Uh, John Moxley match. I told Chris, I was like, dude, I'm exhausted. I got to work tomorrow, and I ended up watching the rest of it the next day. But it was a long pay-per-view. There was a lot of good shit. When we get to the ending, these guys had a great match. But I thought uh, the creative match that Adam Page had with um, Lance Archer, with the ending of going over the fucking referee's back because the top rope collapsed and giving him the buckshot through the damn tables in that last man standing match, I thought that was, to me, more entertaining than this. Don't get me wrong. They did a lot of great shit, but... I don't know. I it just I know we're going to extend this feud. I know we're going to keep on going with it. That's what it looks like. And my biggest criticism with this whole entire pay-per-view is it was great. A lot of great in-ring work. Not a lot of consequences because you either had extensions of feuds. Well, besides certain things like the MJF and um, basically <laughs> the three matches I like the most. All of them seem to be good. But it would, they, a lot of them were extensions to future feuds and there was no title changes. So, uh, you know, I don't know. It was still fine. It was still a good match. I'm glad that... Actually, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I wanted fucking Adam Cole to win. But bullshit happened at the end of it. He kind of did it to himself. Adam Page finally got the buckshot lariat. One, two, three. Your champion still, Adam Page. I thought it was a really, really good match. And I wouldn't expect anything less from the Adams. Also, shout out to the people in the signs with the signs that say "Let's go, Adam" and the fan chance of "Let's go, Adam." <laughs> like they didn't want to choose a side. It was pretty fucking hilarious. Brilliant. Uh, it was a really good match between those two. But I, I agree with you, and I think the biggest thing with like, and, and you said this when he finishes? lost. Two that kind of detracted from this because there's a million of them, but that's kind of like an Adam Cole thing. Yes, WWE Adam Cole thing. Uh, I, I think what detracted from it is he just lost to Orange Cassidy. Just don't have that match. Yep. Like you can't go <sighs> into it believing that he was going to fucking win when he just lost to Adam Cole or, or Orange Cassidy. Sorry. Uh, he lost to Orange Cassidy. So going into it, it's like, well, he lost to Orange Cassidy. <laughs> so. It's kind of, and it's not anything about Orange Cassidy or how good he is or whatever. It's just like, you know, he, he had this undefeated streak and then you ruined it because you lost to Orange Cassidy. And that weird rock bottom, we're going to go through the table together, buddy, <laughs> hug moment. Um, yeah, you, they should have just not done that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a good match. It was not Adam Cole's best match or Hangman's best match. I don't know that they have that chemistry, honestly. Well, they're going to try it again, and we already talked about it, but I think that since we did talk about the after effect of Adam Cole coming out, calling out Paige, I loved beforehand. He has a great match with Dante Martin. Darius Martin's back from his injury from, from a year, uh, so they're back as a tag team. But still, he stacked himself singles-wise to being in the number one position. And Adam, who just came off a huge pay-per-view match, went against him. They had an awesome match. And when he left, I think it was Sean Waltman who kind of uh, who called this out. 
someone else did maybe. Um, but anyways, when he left, Hangman M. Page made him come back to the ring, said, hey, man, look, you were forced to be a singles wrestler at your age in here because your brother got hurt. Uh, and you spent a whole year, but you got you got it all the way to the championship belt to go against me. He goes, if you're if you're able to do that again, I will gladly share the ring with you. You've done awesome. Go do awesome in the tag division, and you know just put him over. A lot of people, including I think Sean Waltman, said this was very similar when Brett on Raw went against uh, One Two Three Kid, and they had a great fucking match. And afterwards, you know One Two Three Kid's leaving, and Brett kind of just put him over and said, you know. And, and personality-wise, I can see a similarity there, and that might be a hindrance from Adam, which was a hindrance for Brett during his baby face, that he's kind of plain, but, you know, just a good guy, like a, a good dude. That's the, the presentation they give off, and I thought that was really cool of them. I don't know if Dante even knew they were going to do that. That might have been a Tony Khan, Adam Page-style thing, and I like that. That was, uh, that was awesome. Yeah, it was a yeah, great was a moment, great. and it, it, it kind of nails home what baby face they want Hangman to be, right? Yep. So when you do bring back the dastardly Kenny Omega, it, it makes it perfect, right? Like, uh, he, they are booking Hangman like a 1980s baby face. <laughs> and I'm, I'm okay with that. I thought this was a really good match. It was very short. Um what was weird is like the title match went so short. So we're going to give you an additional match. Like there's some weird things on the show in general. And I know Regal went a little long, but like he went long, but then you're going to give us an extra match because the title match didn't go as long. So I thought someone got hurt when they said that on commentary and it's like, no, everybody's fine. We're just fucking being weird out here. Apparently. Yeah. Just weirdness, but it was still a good pay-per-view, man. Like I said, inconsequential to me. But still a fun pay-per-view, and um, I liked everything they set up. Like I said, a lot of it is extensions to the few going forward. But, uh, you know, I think they're going to build up a lot of stuff uh, going double or nothing, and I'm looking forward to the end of April to find out what Tony officially does with Ring of Honor as a promotion. So we're going to see a lot of cool stuff in the next couple of weeks, and who knows, maybe he'll sign some more people too, some more surprises. We'll just have to wait and see. So, hey, so there was one more thing. Big, I, oh. I was going to say, big question for you. Best AEW pay-per-view of all time or nah? Because, like, the no. internet's very torn on this. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. If you have a pay-per-view, even if you have a, uh, some really great matches, if there's no if there's no consequences to the ending, no, one fu- no fucking title change, you know, I, I can't consider it one of the best. Uh, to me, the first double or nothing, or even that one, what was it? The one back in the fall, I think, yeah, I don't think it's the best one. I think people need to fucking chill the fuck out. And if anything, it might have been too long. I I would say this is probably the best wrestled pay-per-view, but definitely not the best one. Yeah, Uh, I could see that. it It was very good. And I think a lot of it had to do with Jericho's just turning the fuck up in that first match because everyone else went over 9,000 after that. Uh, so that's like the veteran locker room kind of thing. Like if Jericho's going to do it and then you see like Sting's going to do it, it's like, so if you're like a young cat on this roster, you know you got to turn up. It's like, dude, Jericho's hitting a Frankensteiner. <laughs> like we, we're going to have to turn up. 
and every performer on the show was fucking great and they tried their best it was it was a good pay-per-view so Absolutely. it just depends on how you look at it and i think a lot of people are like that was a great ass wrestling uh from the wrestling standpoint but i don't think it was, i agree with you because there was no consequences that really came from this other than maybe the wardlow turn yeah uh, outside of that, I, I agree with you. Like, you want to move the show forward. You gave us basically, like, hey, we're going to reset. <laughs> kind of kind of show. But, like, match-wise and quality-wise, it was like a New Japan show. Yeah, I agree. It was good. Um, the last thing I'll say to kind of wrap up Dynamite, one little segment they just threw the fuck in there. Don't exactly know where they're going with it, but... We had uh, Dax and we had uh, Cash in the back. They're both upset about what's gone on lately, and they're with Tully. Tully's trying to console them. And Dax basically saying, like, you know, fuck going for the titles right now. We need to get our revenge from the Bucks. We need to get our revenge from um, from Red Dragon for costing us this. And that did not work well with Tully Blanchard. He goes, look. I know it's about family because Dax was talking about we need to do this because we need to show show forth, you know, present this to our family because this is about our family and us looking good. And we need to make sure, you know, that we take the steps before we even worry about the titles to clearing our name, if you will. And Tully was like, look, you know, family, it's all right. It's not too bad. I haven't talked to Tess in weeks. Shit happens. But anyways, you guys need to go for the fucking titles. Fuck all this shit. Keep on winning. Let's worry about that. And Dax is like, you know, they kind of confront each other and they both get nose to nose. And then he grabs Tully and then Cash kind of splits them up and then they fire Tully. That was it. That was it. They just fired him. So my mind goes to two mentors of their or not mentors so much. I guess mentors because they both fucking talk to him constantly. But two people that they respect outside of Tully. Arn doesn't have Cody anymore. And afterwards, Dax was sending several messages with Bret Hart telling him to come there. And someone made an awesome mock-up of the Hitmen, which, you know, with this whole thing, are they now baby faces? I don't even fucking know. Are they in the pinnacle? We have no idea. Um, with Ring of Honor, these are two guys I would definitely have a part of it if that happens. And I love the idea of either Arn Anderson make, making his own group, you know, his son, Brock, these two guys, babyface Maybe, or maybe even heal. But I also love the idea if Bret Hart wants to come out and do some stuff with them. We know he's involved in the Owen tournament coming up, and that's that's going to start. I assume that he was going to present it. He was the one who presented the original title. He loves Dax and Cash. They always communicate. I don't know. The Hitman has a nice little ring towards it, Chris. What do you think about this whole entire thing, and what the fuck's Tully going to do? Oh, Tully, they, they, they're talking about family. And he wants champions. I got one <laughs> one team for you. It's called Dim Boys. Yep. That would be awesome. Sully with the Briscoes would be amazing. Uh I like the promo was fine itself. Like the intensity was there, the promo it was there, but they didn't tell us anything about why he would be so concerned about his family. You can still chase like titles and care about your family. So well, that was I think weird. he was trying like, to say it, that like he made them, he made, he's, they're, they're, um, they're, they look like losers to their family or, or what's, what's a word I'm trying to go for? Um, 
I don't know. Uh, they're 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 uh, not doing good to their family's honor. Um, right. Well, then stop losing matches. You can still win titles and not lose matches. <laughs> like I, I know that make part. Any I do. Sense. But then when you started talking about family, I was like, you know who's the family? Dim boys. I immediately sent you that. Hey, for controversy, uh, if if you're gonna throw them boys at it, I will say he's got a family member that's one of the best female wrestlers on the planet. So maybe Tully can just bring all the people in that you know people would have a problem with in the fucking company on Twitter. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I get why people have a problem with. Uh... Dim boys, but like, look, people are crazy about religion. You're always gonna have a problem when they start talking about that kind of shit. And not justifying what the Frisco said or what Jay specifically said. But, Which uh, sucks for Mark. Just for, by the way, because yeah. I don't think he said anything. And Jay's kind of got a history. For one thing, it's not. I'm not condoning this, but before this whole incident happened, where they passed the law in Delaware for same-sex marriages where he made his comments he was openly using the f word in his tweets not probably just you know saying it towards gay people but you know like eminem used to or what kevin hart got called out for back in the past but he didn't help it by saying all right delaware passed this whole entire thing well good for them if you try to teach it to my kids i'll fucking shoot you didn't really help out too well and what sucks is like i said mark didn't say a goddamn word and they're grouped together no matter what. So, you know, that's is what it is, bro. Yeah, I mean, like he didn't. And this is not anybody. Tony's decision, by the way. <laughs> this was an exec in Warner Brothers that caught wind of this and was like, after the FTR Briscoes thing was set up initially on Ring of Honor, and said, "You're not bringing these guys in." So they'll have new ownership soon, anyways, though, because Discovery's buying them out, but. That's the reason why we're not seeing the Briscoes on television. Yeah. They're going to be on television, though. They got them titles. What are you going to do now, Tony? You booked yourself into a corner. We might see them Uh, tonight at GCW getting their revenge on uh, Tremont and fucking Gage. You know, in that short five-minute match that they dropped the titles to. I hope so, because me and you are going to be there burning the house down. Me and you. Um, I get it. Excalibur also said some fucked up things. <laughs> that so. never ever gets brought to light of day. <laughs> yeah, like what? What, Matt, what are we Matt, doing? Matt Jackson has a compilation of of talking about how much he wants to punch Obama in the face and slap him around, you know. But no one like, talks about. People say fucked up shit. Like, look, as a wrestling fan, just acknowledge that people have different beliefs and. Uh, even if you think they're fucking wild and stupid, it's still their beliefs, you know, like that's a religious tie in. Once you start going down that road of like, uh, like, I don't know, this wouldn't be that big of a deal in the seventies. <laughs> I'm just saying, but not that that's a good thing, but you know, at the same time, it's like, here's the biggest thing. Uh, if, and this is a good, a good example of his Velveteen dream with everything that he went through with this whole situation, how WWE worked everything out in court, but didn't want him to talk about it. And then by the time he got out, it's like, it doesn't matter if he talks about it now. And he's been on a couple outlets trying to go into detail. No one gives a fuck. You know, I mean, if you get the Briscoes and they apologize for what they said or try to make them own up to it, 
you know, maybe that could be good. But we don't like it when people try to make up for past actions. We just want them to go away in obscurity or fucking die in a cave or some shit. That's how we are as a society, so... What the fuck? I, 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 well, we don't like it as wrestling fans. If you're football fans, Michael Vick is fine. Basically, <laughs> yeah. Or, or or Ray Lewis for killing someone in Atlanta. Eight on down. Um, yeah, like this is a good ending. <laughs> it is a good ending of the show because it really depends. Like, if Shawn Michaels killed the guy, I was like, oh. I'm sorry. People are still be like, yeah, but he's HBK. We can forgive him. <laughs> it's just so weird to me, man. Like, look, like the Briscoes are fucking weird. They're obviously they they got Christian beliefs, and that's a whole different. You know, there's nothing wrong with but that. that was, but that was that was like eight years ago. They might have completely different beliefs. They might have you know improved and evolved with their character as the years went by. You know. I mean, like I said, we need to give people a chance to, con- you know, to to own up to things. I mean, it's it's crazy that we can go 10 years, 15 years in the past, bring up something. No one should have gotten Twitter. All of you fucking celebrities, you're dumb. Fucking bit so many people in the ass. People actually have enough time to go in your past so far back and find something. They're going after The Rock with shit that he said during promos on wrestling now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's right. getting fucking crazy. Yeah, it's, uh... I mean, they didn't... That's what happened to Alex Caliber, right? Like, he was doing a, a a promo gimmick with Kevin Owens, and they went after him. Like, not saying... That's just bad booking, though. To some extent, it's not his fault. But, um... Yeah, it's just, it's just weird. That's the world we live in. Like, look, people are entitled to their opinions. Doesn't mean you need to say them out loud or post them on Twitter or, you know. I think that opinion's very shitty. I need to say that first, I guess. But, like, you shouldn't condemn people, like, even if they have an opinion that differs from yours. And especially when it ties into religion and, uh, I don't know, anti-abortion laws or... Um, gay marriage. There's gonna be people that really live by that Bible and die by that Bible. And I think That's it's fine. fucking stupid, but there are people like that. So, <laughs> but you, but you have to know, and they need their, they need their opinion heard too, even if, even if you think it's fucking ridiculous. So, well, it's uh, it's all in the wording and how you say it, though. There's there's a difference between saying that I my beliefs. You know, don't condone that compared to saying, you know, I'm going to shoot someone if you try to teach my right. kids that homosexuality is okay. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I'm not. I can't disagree with that. I'm just saying, like, I, I think this is very different than the Me Too movement in wrestling. Like, <laughs> there was a lot of scumbags that came out of that. This is this is more just like an opinion. And I said something one off as an asshole based on my beliefs versus like, I don't know. <laughs> I got an umbrella and she's 14. Shout out Marty scroll. <laughs> she was 16 and it's okay in this country though. Apparently legally. Ugh. Gross dude. <laughs> Fucking realize right and wrong. Jesus Christ. doesn't matter if it's legal to do that. You know, I don't think anyone was thinking that fucking Jerry Lee Lewis 
was a smart dude for what he did, marrying his 13-year-old fucking cousin. Gross. Jesus what's, Christ, what's, you guys are in your 20s. What's, what's really weird about it that is, like, the UK, it's okay. <laughs> but they're the ones that shit on Jerry Lee Lewis. It's like, the fucking... Uh, that's a whole, we need to do a music podcast. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll end it with this opinion real quick. <laughs> this is my review, quickly, of WWE 2K22. So I've been playing it since Wednesday. Fuck you, 2K! Because you changed the fucking controls, and EA Sports is about to do their games going forward. So I'm sure they're going to fucking change it completely. But once I do get used to the controls, this, this is probably going to be one of the best wrestling games. It's easier for people to play starting fresh. I'm just not used to it because I'm used to what the fuck I was playing for the last I don't know how many years. So if once I get over that, their server has been up. That's been good. Their online stuff. The creator wrestler is not that great. Like, well, it's good, but people are still trying to figure out how to make people. So you got to, like, wait until you get people exactly. But you can download pictures, Chris, to be on their profile. So it looks like they're actually in the game. So that's kind of cool. But I'll, I'll give the game some time. But right now, I'm just pissed off. I have to learn new controls on a fucking brand new game, man. God damn. Uh, yeah, that's frustrating, especially because you played through all the simulation stuff that they've been putting out for years. Uh, what I would Since say is 14. Like, the, the GM mode seems interesting. Like I watched uh, Up Up Down Down. Yeah. Austin Greed and Xavier Great. Woods was talking about that. Saw him play through it. I was like, that seems really cool. That would be something I'm into. I really don't like the way those games play. <laughs> so you'll probably like this version. <laughs> they kind of made it. They, they, they no mercy did. So where like B, if you're, you're playing with your Xbox, your B buttons, your grab. If you want to do a light maneuver, it's every direction X. If you want to do a strong maneuver, it's every direction and a X are punches that are, you know, lighter punches, a is one of your stronger punches. So it's, it, I mean, they got a lot of similar aspects to the old one, and now you can pivot. Like, if you're Ray Mysterio, you can actually, like, roll in the ring around motherfuckers or ricochet. But um, it they, they tried hard enough to make it easy, but also look like an actual wrestling match. I just don't fucking want to relearn how to do the damn controls. So I'm mad. <laughs> that sounds like a much better game to me. Maybe I'll play this one with you. Um... <laughs> that sounds like they—they they were like, "What should we do?" SmackDown Two. That's what—that's where we need to be in video game life. Uh, do you have a one tap for your special? Or your, your, your you gotta special? press. So all right. So then you gotta press the right—the right bumper. Hold that down, and either A is your finisher, but the signature is X. Um, a signature submission is B, and then Y is like a comeback. So you like get up and like, you know, do the whole Hulk Hogan thing. So it's, I mean, none of it's that complicated. It's just, like I said, we're having to redo everything. Like, do we still have dumbass? So my biggest problem with this game is the submissions in like pins and me having to play a fucking mini game to get out of it. No, you just, you just literally press a, a bunch of times for either pin or for uh, submissions. So you're just constantly trying to press it and, Obviously, the more damage you have done to you, it's the harder it is to do it. Even their last That's... man standing is pretty easy. Because, like, literally, so, like, there's a... All of it, they've made easier. 
this sounds like a much better game to me. <laughs> Why are you complaining, Dane? Because you suffered through a bunch of shitty WWE games. You, it, dude, the thing about it, it's kind of like the, uh, <laughs> the EA uh, UFC games. At first, it's like, this is too complicated. But once you got used to it in rhythm, you got used to it. And with this, I got used to those controls, and I was really good at it. And I could play it on legend mode, and now I have to play easy on this fucking game because I don't know the controls, and I keep on like screwing it up in my head of like how it used to be. So that's yeah, why, Chris. And you're, <laughs> you get pinned, and you're like, oh, I don't have to use the joysticks to do this stupid-ass minigame. Yes, I go to start to do uh, my stupid <laughs> minigames. <laughs> It's all. It's one thing uh, that I will say. It's great because everything starts off with a uh, uh, what you call it, a shoulder elbow tie up, or a what is it called? An elbow collar and elbow tie up. Yeah. Oh well, that's awesome. Like I, I might play this game. That sounds a better version of WWE games. Also, like I don't. I don't know, because you played a lot of the simulation wrestling games, and I'm just more like, I don't necessarily want simulation in a wrestling video game. I kind of just want to be able to do whatever I want to do. See, me and you are different. I like to actually make it, like, I like to jump to the other character and, like, form a story and shit like that, like, take it really seriously. And the fact that you can jump from the other person playing, like, if you're going against CPU... You can actually form it and make it look like, oh, this person's down. Then they have a comeback. The baby face is coming back. But you like to, you know, it's much more fun. I think that this will be a good example of it, but even more so, the one they're making with Ukes and the guy that made No Mercy for AEW, whenever the fuck they figure out the graphics, because that's the thing they're having problems with right now, um, you're, that's going to be the perfect game. Because I want anyone to be able to pick that up and play it. Because that was a beautiful thing about the 64. And it, it didn't matter if it was a golf game or a fucking wrestling game or whatever. Everything was accessible to be able to play, and you wanted to play every game no matter what it was. It's not really like that. Yeah, yeah. I just want games to play well. <laughs> that's 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 the big thing. Um, yeah, AEW, they definitely, I guess they push WWE's hand if they're changing the controls and stuff. Uh, and I, it, it I, I sounds like yeah. this is going to be similar to the controls that they're going to have because they're saying it's like No Mercy, and I've played No Mercy because I have a 64 right here, dusting it off. And uh, yeah, they're trying <laughs> to do that, the old school. Because, I mean, SmackDown, the, those games for PlayStation took the engine of the No Mercy one, and then they kind of made it complicated and changed it for the dynamic. And then over time, it became more and more complicated, especially when 2K took over. And now when EA takes over, I can learn how to fucking do it all all again. And I'll have a great time with that. I'm actually kind of... If they're going to keep a simple control scheme and the EA is going to take it over, EO has a, like EA has a great, great, great game engine. Um, so I think the graphics will look better. It could be a more fun game. But it's also EA. So if they're just like, hey, we need the Madden team to also develop a wrestling game it might suck <laughs> yeah because because ea is gonna make their money off like fifa madden uh nhl etc so like they need to be really smart about shopping that game licensing because if you're just gonna give it to ea they're just they they are really gonna pull the people from the sports development and be like all right well half your team has to work on this 
and that and like now you just put all these things into this new game like this you could get a very more complicated game that looks more so like the wrestling than even any of these because like i said the ufc games come from ea and they were really complicated to figure out but it looks so much more like the actual thing so that's the one more i have too because madden is a very it's not the easiest game to to pick up and play you gotta like figure it out for a little while um, if I want to, if I want to play a really complex wrestling game and have good matches, I'll play Super Fire Pro. That's there's a reason that game exists. Uh, if I just want to pick my favorite wrestler and have fun, you know, you know WCW versus NWA Revenge. I'm not even going to WrestleMania 2000. Get that shit out of here. <laughs> I want to be crazy. Raven. I want to be hitting DDTs. That's that's all I'm doing. All right, well, on that note, I think we will get out of here. So don't DDT your raven if you have it for a pet. Those things look cool. Anyways, hope you guys <laughs> had a wonderful day and uh, or night. Whenever you're listening to this, we gave you a long show, so I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, me and Chris are going to the GCW show tonight in Atlanta over at Center Stage, so I have to get ready. He's got to get ready, and we got to get ready together to go to GCW, and hopefully we don't see someone die. That's my biggest goal. Uh, sorry, that's true. God, uh, Biggie, get better. If you need to find me online, social media-wise, you can find me at DaneAlves42 on Twitter and DaneAlves on both Instagram and Facebook. Message me. We'll have a conversation. And spread the good word of Geek Fives Nation's Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Tell everyone about it. Tell one person. You know. And uh, I have some reviews that I just did with the Batman. I had a pre-show where I went over my top 20 favorite Batman movies and also gave some story of both cinema movies that inspired the Batman and also comic book stories in the history of the Dark Knight. And then I did my own spoiler review. I'm going to do a follow-up one probably with Nick once it comes out in April, I think April 19th, you know, so I can really see it. I did enjoy it. I'll give you that. But um, it was long. It was like the pay-per-view or William Regal's... uh, uh, speech. It was it was long, but it was good. But anyways, uh, I couldn't do the show without me. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. As always, I can't wait to watch this wrestling show, and hopefully, no one dies. <laughs> well, I I mean, we can't guarantee it. Nick Gage and Matt Cardona is on the same show, so someone might die. No, I'm kidding. Uh, at Chris Patton on Twitter, Chris R Patton on Twitter. Uh, I think it's uh, Christopher dot r dot pad on facebook look forward to talking to you guys um we enjoy doing this show every week and i'm very excited to see nick gage cut people open with the pizza cutter so i'm not uh, i'm gonna be honest with you a a a a town down (laughs) i don't know where to go from that but uh, big boys there hey i i do he probably is he's probably gonna be there (laughs) he's gonna he's gonna have a merch table (laughs) <laughs> all, all right well um we're gonna enjoy gcw you guys enjoy life L- listen to us every week we're on every downloadable platform from spotify to soundcloud to stitcher to uh youtube sometimes we're put on there it just depends you know if it's a downloadable platform itunes just search wrestling alliance subscribe give us a five-star rating on episodes if you like it you don't have to give us anything else lower just give us a five-star come on be cool and uh, listen to us every week. We usually do a show on Sundays and or Saturdays when we have the show out by Sunday or Monday. 
uh, every week. And sometimes we do small shows during the week, but that barely happens. You guys have a good one. Thank you so much for listening. Let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. And as always, join me, Chris. Peace out. Peace out. There you go. Oh, yeah.